34-30. The Oklahoma Sooners beat the Texas Longhorns in the Red River shootout, and it was a shootout. Uh, Oklahoma came out hot and heavy in the first half. Longhorns uh, down by 10 in the third quarter, come back and uh, tie the game and even take the lead late in the fourth on a key uh, 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 Burt Auburn field goal. Then uh, Dylan Gabriel with with, uh, one minute, 15 seconds left on the clock. Marches the uh, Oklahoma Sooners down the field. Not uh, not a doubt about it. Uh, they 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 got in the end zone with 17 seconds left, guys. Wasn't like there was a bunch of time le- or that that uh, they were still hurting for time. They were going to score one way or the other, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown. Uh, the Texas defense could not get uh, any pressure on Dylan Gabriel uh, this afternoon, especially when it counted most in the fourth quarter. Uh, Longhorns lose. 34 to 30. Uh, and I tell you what, uh, we talked about it in, in pregame. The one thing we want to do uh, that needed to happen in this game is for Texas to win. They did not. Uh, Longhorns lose. Uh, this uh, postgame show brought to you by the guys at Flight uh, for next generation of light beer uh, at, from Yingling. Uh, Drew, Rod, I want to get your takes. Uh, you guys have played in this game. Obviously mm. emotional. Uh, big loss for the Longhorns. Uh, yeah, I think um, something that we talked about all week, that Texas defense hadn't played a real quarterback. Um, I think it rang true in this game that they hadn't – Jamie Milrow wasn't a real quarterback. I mean, he's, he had elite traits at the quarterback position, um, but he wasn't a competent starting quarterback. They had faced three backup quarterbacks in a row last three weeks, and when defense was tested with a quarterback – by the way, I will say this quarterback, Dylan Gale, more – familiar and intimately knowledgeable of his system than any other quarterback in the country is with their system. But still, Dylan Gabriel went to work, not only as a passer, but as a runner. And they used him, which is basically the quarterback draw. I don't know how many plays they had the quarterback draw, at least four, five that I can that I can think of top of my head. The quarterback draw was bit. And they knew Texas was susceptible to it, and they went to it over and over again. They even went to it on that last drive, and Texas finally figured it out. But it was a Dylan Gabriel game, guys. He spread the football around. The first real quarterback Texas has seen uh, is their first loss of the season. Drew, what do yeah. you? What about you, bud? Yeah, to, to echo with Rod. I mean, when you have a real quarterback uh, combined with tempo, uh, the tempo alone eliminated our pass rush. Eliminated the strengths we have in the, the trenches on the defensive line. And it put our defense on skates. It put the DBs on skates. It put the linebackers on skates. Um, that they, they weren't as aggressive. And, I mean, at the end of the day, to, to put everything into context, um, this is one of those games you hate the portal because you don't expect OU to be able to reload and get some guys. I mean, they had some players out there playing fast, playing well, playing physical. Yeah. Um so kudos to them for for having the players first to, to come in and play this game um, and make it tough on us. Uh, but at the end of the day, it came down to us. I knew this game would come down to us. Um, you know, we, we can't turn over the ball early. We can't give short fields. Um, we, we just can't take those opportunities for granted. So uh, a lot of close calls, uh, penalties, uh, so many things add up. And so while I think we played – one of our worst games, I think that was OU's best game. And I always thought that our worst game was good enough to win against them. Um, but it's also good enough, I mean, bad enough for us to lose. And, and we put it out there today. And, um, yeah, that's that's just how it all unfolded. 
I, I tell you what, uh, you you guys mentioned the Longhorns came out flat. Uh, Twin Ewers' first uh, pass attempt, I believe, was an interception. Uh, you know, I, I feel like they've got, uh, you know, so they, they should have figured out that OU was going to sit on those. Uh, then he came alive and looked like a, a different level quarterback. Uh, yep. But you know what? The Longhorns had the ball. Uh, and uh, and the game was tied, and they could not convert on a key third down. Oklahoma came up with, I believe, its fifth sack of the game to set them back at second and 12. Then they threw a, a quick ball to, to Xavier Worthy on that final drive. Then they went to Jonathan Brooks to run the ball to get in better field position for a field goal, and all for naught, uh, because even though Brett, Bert Auburn hit it, it gave Dylan Gabriel the chance to come back down and win it. Uh Sooners, I think, uh, played a better ball game overall than the Longhorns here. I, I have to give it to them. Uh, they they played a better game, uh, maybe more physical, uh, I would say, which was interesting. Uh, the Texas corners, I thought, uh, and defensive backs had some problems tackling guys in space. Uh, and that, that was a very interesting um, situation. I don't know uh, what the Longhorns need to do uh, to kind of regroup here. Uh, but uh, big loss uh, for Texas. Uh, guys, y'all mentioned turnovers. I, I, we talked about it pregame. What could cause – what could be the big big issue? Turnovers. Three turnovers for OU. Texas did get a turnover. I call a punt block a turnover, uh, guys. But uh, unbelievably uh, difficult loss here for Texas. I, I think, honestly, what – and to piggyback on a lot of things that uh, Drew brought up and that you just talked about as well, Bobby, you know, Texas played out of character in this game. Right. And Oklahoma was very much in character. They came into this game leading the country in interceptions, tied, I believe, with the lead interceptions. And they got mo- two interceptions in the game. Right. They were very opportunistic. Uh, they, they they came into this game tied with the uh, sorry, with the lead in takeaways in the Big 12. And they were a, a defense that was trying to take the football away constantly from Texas. Um, their passing game was pretty much the identity of the offense. It is a Dylan Gabriel centric offense. This was Dylan Gabriel centric game plan. They didn't go away from it. The one thing they didn't do that I thought they would do more of was throw the deep ball. The deep ball was not that much of an issue at all. It was just Dylan Gabriel making a lot of plays and Texas unable to put pressure on Dylan Gabriel. But as Drew brought up, the penalties, that's not something that Texas had an issue with all season long, especially away from home. Uh, The turnovers early in the game, Quinn Ewers hasn't been prone to a lot of turnovers, but in this game he was. And getting into the, uh, the situation with, you know, the Texas team just playing undisciplined football. I mean, this is a team that usually plays disciplined football, and they didn't do it. The missed tackles are a big part of it. So a lot of missed tackles from Texas. You brought that up, Bobby. We hadn't saw that all season long. Could just be they're playing the, the best opponent they've played in Oklahoma. But Oklahoma played the football game that they wanted to play, and they were very much in character. Texas was out of character. I didn't even recognize that team. I was – Honestly, happy they were still only down by three at halftime, considering the level of play that we saw from them in the first half. I agree, Drew. I, I, I think we're, we're we're still. I think we know who we are, but I do think there's some elements of us that are still trying to figure out who we want to be, and so there's a couple plays out there. I know Sark will come back and say he wished to have back. Um, very close plays, whether it be third down plays, fourth and one plays. Um, we had opportunities. We had opportunities. And I think um, at the end of the day, 
we didn't execute and take advantage of those those opportunities when we had them. Um, When you look at the stats of these games, I mean, look at the stats. I know, Bobby, you usually always pivot to stats, but I'm looking. I mean, if you look at Quinn's stats, you'd never think, wow, those two interceptions really made the difference. Yep. Um, I mean, the stats are crazy. I mean, Jonathan Brooks had another 100-yard rushing game, um, but it was penalties and turnovers. When it all came down to it, field position was the key. Um, and those are those are emotional penalties. Those are those are out of sync. Now, can't dismiss losing your your, your center on the second drive of the, of the game. Yep. Um, that I mean, we've gone through every situation. I mean, this is the week four where we find every possible scenario for what's going to cause us to lose a game. And um, I mean, if we didn't appreciate Jake Majors before, I do think that's just we appreciate him now. I mean, there's some things that were just out of sync. Um, regardless of a push, just pure communication can make a difference uh, in a game like that. Um, and there were just some adjustments that had to be made on the fly. And the guys fought, but we just couldn't get it going, couldn't get stops when we needed them. And, and here we are. I got to I got to see this. Uh, things things that went wrong for Texas today. Hmm. Three turnovers. Yep. Uh, rough the kicker that led to points for OU. Uh, can't score from the one yard line. That was big. That was huge. Yep. Can't tackle the QB or sack him. Uh, those are things that cause losses. Uh, Texas did not appear really ready for the OU quarterback run game, which I thought was interesting. Uh, David Benda and uh, Jalen Ford did not have their best games as Longhorns. No. Uh, uh, I think that the secondary had some issues at times. They were exposed. Yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at it, and Texas had 527 yards of total offense. Texas likely should have won won this game if they start off hot on offense. Uh, I, but at the same time, uh, you know, OU uh, OU played a better game than Texas. They came back when when the game was on the line. Their quarterback came out and won the game. Uh, bottom line, yeah, uh, made an extra, held the ball an extra beat uh, on the touchdown throw there at the end. Uh, even though traffic was closing around him, uh, just a bad, bad uh, loss for the Longhorns in so many regards. I, I do want to take this question. This one was from Robert Muhammad. With the game on the line, 27-27, with that momentum, we should have run on first and ten instead of throwing and getting a sack. Robert, that was a RPO. Quinn pulled mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So it, it it was what he read and he misread it in my opinion. Y'all agree y'all agree with that one? Yep. Yeah. And and misread it. Well, misread it, but also, you know, I mean, I'm sure on the rewatch, you know, I'll I'll give Ben Venables more credit. I mean, these guys were well prepared. I talked to Ian Boyd about it on the end game live watching. He told me, guys, they were prepared. Go look at that first pick. Go look at the way that cornerback plays those that double slant. He doesn't move, he just sits. It's he was like, heavy he was, on it. He was he was heavy footed, Drew. I was like, whoa, he's not worried about he's not worried about AD Mitchell running by him or AD Mitchell with a double move, but he was just sitting on that route. That was preparation. They went they went three on two on the wide receiver side of the field. It was empty formation out of 12 personnel. And that was the same set, by the way, Texas ran against Alabama to open up the game. They went 12 personnel with empty formation. They went the two tight ends and a running back to the trip side. They went twins, two receivers to the other side. And then they threw it actually in the Bama game to the trip side. 
But in this game, they went double slant early on to that wide receiver side. And guys, Oklahoma was ready. They had a they had their linebacker drop to the wide receiver side. That safety on that side, the strong side, at least that. The, the, the play side safety, he ends up dropping down to it. And then they drop the backside safety to the, to the, to the, to the deep safety, like Macy's center fielder. So I'm telling you, man, they, that play right there, I was like, damn, they look like they knew what was coming. They looked like they knew that was coming. So. Hey, you want to see another thing, Rod, you want to see another stat guys. That's uh, very telling. We mentioned the three turnovers. Look at Texas in the red zone versus look at OU in the red zone. Mm. Matt, can you kind of put, Blow that up a little bit. OU, six of six. Texas, one of three in the red zone. Guys, going into the game, Texas is 108th in the country in touchdown percentage in the red zone. That actually is not out of character. They've been a bad red zone team all year. It just hasn't really reared its ugly head because they're so explosive. They didn't need it in this game. They needed it. They didn't get it. No. Uh, you know, did y'all? what did y'all think of the play call? Down on the goal line, the four the four downs on the goal line, is that uh, is it a piece of that the fact not having Jake Majors in there? Does that affect that at all, or did Oklahoma just prepare for it and whip Texas off the off the uh, off the uh, uh, what am I saying off the snap? Yeah. yeah, we we it, it you know it's one of those things like when you put Byron Murphy in the game, you know what to expect, and at the end of the day, OU had the guys who were prepared for that. They were prepared to be physical. They were prepared for a stalemate. Uh, so unless you have dominance on front in that set, um, you're not going to have a stalemate. I mean, you're, you're not going to have that advantage to get across the line. And we just didn't do it. I mean, so uh, I'm not so worried about the play call on fourth down. That was really close. That was great. But, I mean, you pick and choose. Like some days, you're like, man, we're getting too cute. And then maybe today was a game where, man, it would have been nice to get cute. Been on other games, we like, man, I wish we would have just punched it in and not gotten cute. So, um, at the end of the day, you expect your guys to go out and execute on four downs down there. Um, if Sark would have gotten cute or done anything different, we would have said something different. At the end of the day, we didn't execute. So, uh, just that, 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 that is where we are. We got to see it for what it is. Um, it sucks, uh, it, it really does, but. But we didn't get cute down there, um, and maybe that would have helped us in that instance. But you can't guess every time we get down there. I think Bobby's right, man. It's okay to admit they played smarter, they played harder, and they had a better game plan. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> it, it. It's not like it happens every game, but this game, they played. They definitely played smarter than Texas. And you can even argue that they played harder, man. Those goal line stand, that's amazing. That's it. <laughs> That, so I, I think for – because Texas should have won the line of scrimmage, right? Like how the hell does Texas not win the line of scrimmage in this game considering the, the bodies that they have on both sides of scrimmage? And I think that to me was when I realized Oklahoma's got a real shot. Texas couldn't just dominate the lines of scrimmage consistently. They popped their runs every now and then. I'm not saying they didn't. But in terms of both sides of the ball, Texas didn't – they didn't they didn't run the lines of scrimmage. No, Oklahoma run, won their fair share. Tempo really the offensive tempo yeah. of the uh, Oklahoma Sooners really really uh, stymied the uh, big front of the of Texas, uh, in my opinion. And uh, then I will say this: the the rushing yardage here, uh, Matt. If you'll bring up the rushing yardage, I want to say this: uh, 
it looks like it's very like OU won the rushing battle. And in effect, they did. There's no doubt about that. Uh, if you notice the rushing yardage, OU rushed for 201, but 113 of that is Dylan Gabriel. Hey, hey. Dylan Gabriel alone uh, rushed for that. He made a great play. Also, if you remember that the snap uh, beside him, he made a great play to go pick that up and then throw it out of bounds. So that it wasn't a, 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 a uh, what do you call it? So it oh, wasn't yeah. bounding. The third and three. The third and three? Snap. Yeah. Yeah. If that kept it at fourth and three, then Keelan Robinson hits the punter and oh, they man. get down and score. Brilliant uh, play. Big, big time play by Dylan Gabriel. My my hat's off to that guy. He played a really tough game. He wasn't perfect. Uh 23 of 38 is not his typical game. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, when they needed him, he he got him down there and made it happen. Uh I, what guys should Pete in re in in uh, what I was saying, if you had a do over, would you try mm -hmm. to heat Dylan Gabriel up early instead of letting sit back there and rush three? I, I'll say this this is, and, and I don't, I want to separate the two, I want to compartmentalize this because I want to. Dylan Gabriel in this system, second year, I'm, I'm not sure what would have disrupted him at that tempo with the tempo that they run. Yes, we could have tried to heat them up, but I know they had answers prepared for everything. Mm -hmm. It's tough for me to put this game on anything else other than self-imposed penalties. Mm -hmm. Yes, we have injuries. Uh, I know JT Sanders was not 100%. I know Jake Majors was out, but um, they were dialed in. They were dialed in offensively, and it's, it's hard to dismiss the turnovers that that could have been the difference in the game. You can go into a game, expect an opponent to play great. The stats look fine. I'm, I'm okay with the way the stats look from a yardage standpoint, from an execution standpoint, I would have liked to have some third downs back, some fourth downs back, some scoring opportunities back. We put ourselves in scoring position more than enough to win this game. Uh, the turnovers are the difference. So it's while we could have done some things differently. Um, it's hard for me to say that would have made the difference overall because that tempo really, I mean, it just, it's time is that the defensive line and the impact on the game overall. It just, it just does. Yeah. I, I feel like Texas, uh, you know, they wasted the first quarter in many, in many respects, although the, the punt block was a big, a big play and kept Texas in it. Um, the Texas offense really got going and Quinn Ewers looked as sharp as he's looked in a long time, maybe ever throwing against the OU secondary in the, in the third and fourth quarter, but they still didn't get that many points. They scored 10 points uh, in the in the second half, right? I mean, or excuse me, 13 in the second half. Uh, I, I feel like uh, it felt like Texas needed to, to run the clock out and then kick the field goal at the end of the game, and Texas didn't do it. That's that's really what it feel, felt like uh, the uh, – Missed opportunity there to have the ball without them to have – Never let them get it back. Yeah, never, yes. never let them be able to dictate. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I think yeah. for Stark, if you had to ask him about his biggest regret of this game, it would be he let Dylan Gabriel get the ball back after watching the game that Dylan Gabriel had, had been having up to that Watch point. the entire and, game. Exactly, right? And you know as a coach, you got to have a feel of the game. Sometimes you got to just – 
you got to go away from your initial game plan, even from traditional thinking and go, now, nah, hell no, nah, man. This dude's he's actually feeling it. He's balling. My secondary has we ain't been getting to him. My secondary have been covering well. Hell no, I, I'm gonna milk this thing. I, I'm gonna try to keep it as long as I can. And yeah, I'm with you. They didn't, I don't know, I don't know if that was the goal for Sark. I think the goal for Sark was, hey man, we're just cool. trying to score as fast as we can. And I'm not saying that's not a bad thing, but yeah, you did leave too much time on the clock. It happened. Dylan Gabriel didn't need was it 76 seconds? I don't know what it was, something like that. And no timeout, by the way. No time. And I know you may have had way too much faith in your defense, but I don't know, man. I watched your defense that whole game. I wouldn't have had that kind of faith in your defense. That's why I would Rod, I would have wanted to close out that game. That's <laughs> Rod, That's the the no timeouts is why I would have. I think I would have tried to heat up Dylan Gabriel and get to him at least once. That yeah. Yeah, I mean, because then that that takes thirty seconds. You get a sack on a yeah. quarterback with receivers downfield. That that takes a good twenty to. 25 seconds off the clock to reset. And, and, right? and you know what they did, Bobby, on our last couple plays when we were forced to pass it? Is they made it, they made us force a quick decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you got to go deep downfield, just make people make quick decisions. Don't yep. give them time for routes to develop and just assume your coverage is going to make it, especially with the way he's run the ball. We, 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 I, I agree with the fact that it would have been helpful to, it would have made a difference to, Force them into quick decisions. Put some pressure on them. Make them make quick decisions. Quick decisions, shorter routes. We also have to tackle yeah. after we get those balls out yeah. of those quick decisions. So there was just some things that just were not sound. Um, uh, yeah, k- k- kudos to them. Uh, that that's the toughest thing in this game. And, and I know Rod, it, it's tough balancing between being a fan and understanding the game because. Mm-hmm. The first and foremost, and I can tell you this about the Texas players too, they respected OU. They respected the oh, yeah. opponent. This was not mm-hmm. one of these things where Texas players saw OU play against nobody, yet we've beaten Bama and we've beaten certain teams, and we thought this would be a difference. Yes, we got to see who we are. I think more so and measure who we are more so than OU was. But at the end of the day, um, respect for them, like, it's, it's hard to leave this game without respecting the fact that they came prepared. Their quarterback played lights out. Yep. Uh, their scheme from a tempo perspective was lights out. From a defensive perspective, I was like, okay, we can't. They're not giving up the run. They're smothering the passing game. Um, they're smothering. Like, where do we have an edge here? And, um, yeah, th- th- that between the portal and the scheme <laughs> and a few different things, uh, they came prepared to play today. Um, hats off to them, but I'm I'm, I'm hating it right now. Hey, what yep. do y'all think of this? Oh, you played with more energy, won the trenches, were more disciplined, and won the turnover battle. Texas DL has not looked good last two games. Y'all agree with that? No. Um, but- no, not necessarily. I, I just think I really think it makes a big difference when you play a a seasoned veteran quarterback. Who knows how to get you just brought up the point, uh, Bobby, the third and three. Most people didn't even think about that play. I broke that play down to my mother-in-law and how crucial it was. <laughs> that third and three, he decided it was that 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 snap that goes, you know, white by him. He wasn't ready for it. They snapped it early. He goes and tracks down the football. And instead of falling on it to be a negative play, or instead of him panicking and freaking out, all right, he just calmly gathers the football, finds some space, throws it away. Ends up being a fourth and three, no big deal. Next play, Texas rush, they rush the punter, and then you get a running into the, the kicker, 
and the running to the kicker is a five-yard penalty, not a 15-yard penalty to the roughing. But if he had fallen on the football, it wouldn't have mattered. They still would have had the they still Texas still would have had the ball because they still would end up punting. But it was a third, a fourth and three because he saved that play, and then they get the ball back because it's a five-yard penalty. They go down where they kick a field goal on that drive. Dude, those plays like that are huge. It's not only the big plays your quarterbacks get, but it's the play, it's the bad plays they keep you out of veteran quarterbacks. And there were some plays in this game, Quinn, just some bad plays he didn't keep you out of. The fumble. Hey, that's a simple play. Secure the football, go down. You know what I mean? Why, why not slide instead of die? You know what? Simple stuff, right? This is in even in the red zone, right? Throwing the interception in the red zone. Those are plays coach most veteran quarterbacks know, man. Hell no, never throw an interception in the red zone. I'd rather throw it away, incompletion. I throw it where nobody can get it. Never interception in the red zone. Interception in the red zone takes points off the board and momentum swings. So I'm just saying that your, your quarterback got all played. It's okay. Happens. That happened a lot. They The quarterback played a better game. Brent Venables had a better game plan initially. I'm not sure won the battle of adjustments. I got to go back and watch that. But I think he had he won the battle of adjustments, actually, except for exactly. the last drive. Exactly. See, and, and, you know, see, and as I said, you know, they won the battle of adjustment, but they had a better game plan. They played smarter, less penalties. They played more mistake-free football. You had three turnovers. I mean, this is what happens when you get outplayed. They just got beat. And I know we can go through exactly how it happened, but we basically broke it down here. Texas got outbeat. They got outplayed by Oklahoma. And this, the bad part is Texas is more talented, all right? And Texas was more battle-tested going into the game. So they had those advantages. And yet, and, and by the way, they actually had the experience advantage because Oklahoma, most of their guys hadn't played in this game. They got a lot of guys who had no experience in this game. Most of Texas roster had already played in this game and had experience. So Texas had a lot of the boxes, the advantages, and those advantages obviously didn't materialize on the field. Yeah. Uh, Rod, you, you, you and Drew think uh, the loss of Jake Majors – uh, the uh, situation with uh, Ryan Watts. You think that hurt Texas much in this game? Majors more than Watts, or was Watts would Watts have been helpful in this one? I don't think Watts would have made a difference in this. I definitely even think in run support, Drew, even uh, in run support. I don't think that was a difference. I just don't. Um, Dylan Gabriel was the difference, and I don't know what Watts could have done to eliminate that. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, do, do I think JT Sanders could have been a difference? And kudos to Gunnar Helm for coming in. I, I don't know if JT Sanders was healthy enough to be as impactful. I mean, there was a block, a sack he gave up that just – I can't – I'm just going to say, like, if you're not 100% blocking a DN as a tight end – That no shot. It's just it, – it, it, it's not going to cut it. It's just yeah, it's not going to cut it. Um, but I do think losing Jake Magager's last minute uh, or just in that second drive w was critical. Uh, just, I mean, and we were still in this game. And I, I keep repeating this. I keep repeating this. We played to our floor. We played our worst game and still had opportunities in this game. Um, so uh, do I think Watts was a difference? No, I do think Majors was a difference. I think JT Sanders was a difference on certain plays. But at the end of the day, um, we just missed opportunities and gave them too many opportunities. And I, I think we all have more respect for Dylan Gabriel than we did coming into this game. I well, mean, yeah. that, that, that's one thing I just got to, you know, hold you. I mean, 
you got to accept that. Yeah, I, I think he deserves a round of applause, even though I don't like OU. I, I, I hate him. I hate him. I hate to say it, but I hate him. Well, also, also the, the OU defense, man, I think we – um, you know, I think we miscalculated how good the OU defense was, especially on the back seven. I mean, there were times they played man-free, guys, and we're able to lock down Texas on crucial downs. And I know not having JT Sanders 100% affects that, but X-Man and A.D. Mitchell, there was still some times, you know, they got locked up pretty good in sticky coverage. Um, and Venables give him a lot of credit, too, because that – you talked about it, Bobby. They take a lot of gambles. They roll the dice a lot on defense because they figure, we'll give up some, but we'll get it back. Man, I was – this defense, they fly around. They, they do. They fly around. Though a lot of the in, the short passes, the short screens, the you know, tunnel screens, bubble screens for Texas that usually can kick in and get some easy yardage, that was none of that. They they smothered that stuff, man. That stuff was done. <laughs> Texas had to work. They had to work the hard way pretty much for everything. So I'll, I'll admit I, I underestimated how good that back seven was. I knew it was a strength, but honestly, they played really well. And I'll give the credit for the defensive line for Oklahoma. I thought they get pushed around. They did not get pushed around. Not, not at all. Yeah, not at all. Now, Texas made some things happen in the run game like they normally do. You mentioned Jonathan Brooks over over 100 yards again today. Uh, but uh, Texas uh, just not getting it done in, in crunch time. Uh, if they could have run the ball down Oklahoma's throats uh, like they did it against Alabama to win the game and put exactly salt it away, they would have done it and they just couldn't do it. Oklahoma uh did what they needed to do. Uh, you guys are listening to the post game uh, brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer. The folks at Yingling, we pre- appreciate Faust distributing for helping us out uh, with the post game show sponsorship. Uh, Rod and Drew, uh, you've lost this game. I don't. You guys have lost this game. I have. I lost it a lot. Yeah. Hey, how do you how do you circle back now? Like yeah, how, I, how do you re- hard. Yeah. It's okay. Hard. Yeah, tell, tell people why it's hard and what you're thinking here. They've got a week even, off. Texas got even, a week off now. And so does Oklahoma, right? Then both yep. both teams have bye weeks, right? That yep. that's weird. That's never I don't think that's ever happened before. That's strange. Um, Drew, I'll take it from my standpoint because you have a different experience. You won more than I did. Um, but when there's such a national, the national title kind of implications, the the magnitude of the game and how big it is, especially when both teams are undefeated and the college football world is watching that game. Um, Jerry Hamilton had a great point about how it feels like the it feels like the final four a little bit. It does feel like the end of your season a bit when you lose because there's almost a championship game feel to it. And there's such an emotional high you're on the week of it and while you're playing in it. And there's a crash when you lose. When you win, you're just riding high. You keep on riding. It's a crash after wins, too. Yes, <laughs> that could happen. But trust me, the crash after the losses, oh, they're devastating. But I will admit, we we were able to rally and win games after. So we still won, you know, mo- got to double-digit wins after. But there is a feel like the season's over because it's so devastating for your long-term goal, especially when you're undefeated going in. You're like, oh, we're thinking, hey, baby, national title. We're going to beat Oklahoma, and let's go, baby. Let's go, you know, make our, our long-term goals happen, which are – national championship uh, implications, national championship contenders. And so I, I think that's the challenge for this group because they actually haven't been here before. They haven't, they haven't been to the point playing in a Texas Oklahoma game where there were this type of, this type of pressure with the game, the, the college, being the biggest game of the college football weekend. They haven't had that type of type, type of take. So you, you know, give, give props to them for bringing it back both sides, but that's the price you pay for that pressure 
of that, you know, that the magnitude of that moment, the platform of that game being so tremendous and being so big. So it's going to it's going to be a little tough for him. And the next game, thank God they got the bye week. I think that's important. So Sark can kind of get them back in the routine and back in their regimen, because uh, I, I guarantee you emotionally, especially for Quinn Ewers. He's going it's going to be it's going to emotionally hurt a little bit. I, I think it's tough. I mean, Quinn Ewers played well. At one point, he had 19 after the after the first quarter, guys. He completed 19 passes in a row. If he starts out hot like that, this is a different story, right? Agreed. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I mean, I don't know that if you played that game again, the Texas defense would be any better. No, <laughs> that, that's no, that's no. my concern right now. Um, you can talk about, oh, well, they didn't score enough points and Quinn could have done this and they turned the ball over in the red zone and didn't score from the one. Uh, I, I agree with all that. And weren't great in the red zone, didn't score enough touchdowns there, Rod and, and Drew. But the bigger piece for me, I mean, they had 500-plus yards of total offense, Texas did. Mm -hmm. The bigger piece for me was they did not, in my opinion at least, uh, I didn't see anything where they could regularly stop Oklahoma. Even no. a couple of third and fourth downs that were key for Oklahoma were bad throws by Gabriel, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. they 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 bailed us out, I, it, Bobby. Kind of going back to your point, I, I do. I mean, I think it really highlights how important turnovers really are. Just period. We don't get to see that because we're at Texas. You turn over the ball, opponents don't always capitalize on it because we have talent that can offset that. In a, in a game like this or with this particular opponent, um, that's just not going to happen. Um, but kind of going back to the point of, you know, how do you respond to this game? One thing I appreciate about Sark uh, is that he has a, a process that this team follows regardless. Win or lose, he follows this process. Win, celebrate 24 hours, we got to get back to work. And there's a lot of things to coach on. Every every game this season, we've had something that we needed to coach on after the game. It keeps the guys locked in. A loss is still going to be things to coach on. Still things to lock in, dial in, and keep you hungry, keep you motivated, keep you moving. Um, at the end of the day, let's put it all into context because context matters. If you want to think day-to-day, -day, be where your feet are, I think our guys are going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine. They'll wake up. They'll have some things to coach them up on. They're going to be hungry uh, wow. because they made mistakes. They left plays on the field. Uh, there probably are instances where they feel like they could do more. They're going to feel this loss, but they have the talent to actually do something about it. It's one thing to lose this game and not have the talent, the roster, the team, the togetherness and the connectedness to actually do something about it moving forward. I think day to day we do. But two, in the context of the bigger scheme, I don't know who's going to end this season without one loss. So we we got to keep showing up every week. We got to finish the season strong. You know, we can't move the goalposts from ourselves. Like at the end of the day, we want to win the Big 12. That's still in sights. We got to go in and do that and look around the league, look around the country, stay dialed in, stay locked in, go out and improve on this game. Respect your opponent. Respect how they challenge you. Respect where the areas where they 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 um, gotta watch my language here. Uh, respect the areas. 
<laughs> they kicked your, your, your head in, but also, you know, uh, there's every reason to, 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 to lock back in going into next week and, and moving forward. What what does Texas do if they beat Oklahoma again in the Big Twelve Championship, Rod? What does Texas do different on defense? Um, well, I think you gotta you gotta make Dylan Gabriel uncomfortable. So I would blitz some more. I gotta go back and look and see what the what the blitz rate was um, for Texas. But man, maybe you should have been the one that was blitz happy. Maybe, maybe it's way too much faith in your secondary after losing Ryan Watts. Uh, Jalen Catalan went down, but they went after Jalen Catalan on that deep ball. Actually, one of the few that they actually threw in the game. And you know to break the you know to win big games you got to break tendency. Uh, that what what the thing about big games is coaches are preparing for these big games in their off time, which means the off season when they got some downtime. That means Sark's breaking out that Alabama film, right? When he got some downtime, uh, Britt Venables was breaking out that Texas film, trying to see if he can get some uh, some much needed insight, right? Some added insight. And then you once you figure out what the tendencies of all these teams are and you know your opponent is so obsessed with that big marquee game that they're looking for all the patterns, all the trends, all the tendencies, you got to find a way to break them at the right time. Actually, Sark did that. Even that Gunnar Helm touchdown where he's wide open, that was a tendency breaker. That's why it was wide open because Oklahoma was so dialed in to Texas tendency. They went, oh, hell no. There's no way they're throwing a Gunnar Helm on this play. They're going for the short yardage. And everything said that on the play with the way it was designed, and boom, they popped it. Uh, I went and looked at Dylan Gabriel's rushing numbers. Um, that was the most rushes. That was tied for the most rushes he's ever had in the game, guys. He had four to tie for the most rushes he's ever had in his career. This guy's, this guy's been playing since 2019. Most rushes he's ever had in a game. And the most rushing yards, of course, he's ever had in a game. There you go. They, 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 they really um... – they made Jalen Ford and David Ben to make decisions. Put them in conflict. And, and they they made they made the wrong decision or didn't make one soon enough at times, I think. Hey, Bobby, um, that's the, the game-winning play was that. It was Bender. The yep. game-winning play, they went after Bender on the game-winning play. On that backside, they motioned, I believe they motioned from trips to the backside with the nub tight end. And if you go look, go watch. The young buck, Derek Williams, is bumping the coverage. And what I mean by bumping the coverage is he's saying, everybody, hey, we're going cover one, but everybody, you got to take the number one of your side, and then we're going to bump the coverage from that point on. So they supposed to bump the coverage. Jaron Thompson, because they actually blitz, I believe, that outside defender. Jaron Thompson takes the number one. Bender's supposed to take the number two. They run the switch route. Bender just staring in the backfield. Jaron Thompson takes the number one, and the guys are wide open in the backfield, and everybody's going – do we bump the coverage? Go back and look. When they when when Derek Williams is saying he's he's actually doing this on the field, he's saying, I'm bumping it, I'm bumping it. Bender never looks at him. Never so looks. he's looking right at the court. He never looks at him. He never even he never looks at him. Never, and you know, Drew, you're supposed to acknowledge the acknowledge the audible. Acknowledge you got the check. Like, hey, I got you, bro. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. None of that. He just looks. And that that that's and that's the cover. So they did attack him. They went after him on that, that last play to get the touchdown. Exactly what they did. When, they when, other, when other players see things, I think that 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 that's what gets frustrating. I saw Jaron Thompson. They, they everyone else saw it coming. Yep, they did. They they saw it coming. The only person who didn't see it coming was thirty three. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it happens. Right. Hey, Jerry Hamilton is joining us, guys. Uh, Jerry of Inside Texas on three. Uh, Jerry, uh, the Longhorns. Uh, you were in the stadium today. Uh, I would imagine that was a great atmosphere for a college oh. football game. 
Longhorns come out on the short end of the stick, finish with 527 yards of total offense, OU with 486. But Dylan Gabriel uh, at the end of the game was masterful. Uh, basically looked like he had Texas defense on a yo-yo. I mean, he literally had him on a string. They would do one thing. He'd do something else. A good game plan. We've talked about it already. Brent Venables had his team ready to go. Quinn Ewers came out uh, not firing on all cylinders, but then proceeded to go 31 of 37 for 346 yards. All of that mixed together, though. Uh, we look at it. We talked about a couple of different key stats. Uh, Texas, just one of three in the red zone today. Oklahoma, six of six. Uh, also, Texas, three turnovers. Oklahoma, none. Uh, your thoughts on the game? I was an unbelievable atmosphere to start off. I mean, a great atmosphere for college football. Um, you know, I thought Oklahoma outcoached Texas today, and by a lot, honestly. Um, I think Oklahoma's got a great offense for college football. Um, you know, rows 64 through 66, we're all predicting the first offensive series for Texas, and they all got it right. It normally takes a loss for a coach to change. That's probably what we're going to see now to start a game. It's very predictable. It's been predictable. It was easily predictable for rows 64 through 66 talking before the game. Yeah. I, I, the uh, third, the uh, play that really stuck out to me that I just have an issue with was the second and eight reverse to Jordan Whittington. They, they it, Rod, they've done this before again and. That's just, I mean, man, dude, I don't know. That you just got, you gotta, you gotta run the ball, man. You gotta run the ball. You gotta put the ball in the right playmaker's hands at that point in time in the game. I had an issue with it. I just did. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I'm sure there are going to be calls that Sark wants back. I mean, let's be clear. This is this is not a perfectly called game. I think Brent Venables probably wants uh, going forward on fourth down back uh, when Dylan Gabriel missed Drake Stoops. You know what I mean? I believe that Texas may have been outcoached at the initial outset. I do believe they were outcoached in the first quarter, save the punt block, because I obviously Texas saw something because Keaton Crawford looped on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I will I will say this. I thought Sark in the second half really got Quinn years going. I mean, you don't complete 19 in a row unless your offense, unless you've done something on offense to scheme something up. At the end of the day, they just couldn't put that final drive and, and run the clock out, in my opinion. Texas had the ball tied, and OU got the ball back. If OU doesn't get the ball back and Burt Auburn's kicking to, for the win, Texas is probably pretty happy right now instead will, of, you know, upset. I will give Sark credit, though. Um, I do think his experience in the Texas OU game, it showed itself in a really good way early on. Remember what I said in the and I we I think we basically kind of predicted the first quarter, guys. We have said Oklahoma's gonna come out, they're gonna come out throwing haymakers, man. They coming at you. That 49 0 was an embarrassment. They weren't on a bus playing a conservative game after exactly. this. No right. no they're coming out high intensity, they're gonna be ready to go. And they were. Um, and in this game, I said you gotta match energy and match intensity and match momentum. When your opponent has a big play, you better respond. It's like a heavyweight boxing match. You better respond. And I thought Sark did that in the first quarter when Oklahoma was – they had a lot of momentum early on. They had the interception early on. They went in the score. But then you get the fake punt. Um, and then you get – they got they go for it on fourth down. And then you get the uh, the punt block. It, it just seemed like Sark understood, like, hey, man, we better go. No, no, they're, they're, they're making plays. They're, they got momentum. We got to snatch it back. 
I want to see my coach. That's why that first quarter was so great. Because I think both coaches who coached in this game understood the Rod B rule. Match momentum, match energy. Don't let them get it and run away with it. You better go grab it right back. And they both did. Both, both teams, they, they, try to, they try to reverse on a kickoff return, too, that they got a penalty on because everybody understands, man, you better not let your opponent run away with that momentum in this game. No matter how good you are, you may find yourself on the downside of a landslide. Hey, I'll tell you oh, something that was easily visible at the, in the last quarter of this game, guys. There was a lot of guys limping. Oklahoma had a couple of significant injuries late in this game. They did. Gentry Williams went out. Yeah. A couple of potential season-ending type of injuries in this game, late in this game. And uh, you, there were plenty of players limping in the fourth quarter of this game. I mean, and, and Rod, I don't, I'm sure you all hit on it, but, you know, uh, the one thing I'll say for Sark, the tough spot there is, you know, Jatavion Sanders, you could tell the first time he ran her out in warm-ups that he wasn't close. The limp was easily visible. I texted Bobby and the guys that. Uh, So you knew he wasn't going to be effective. He couldn't get out and block on that first play right in the run game. He couldn't get out there and block. Uh, But that that obviously uh, makes for a much more difficult uh, job for Sark attacking Oklahoma because I agree with Rod. He's the guy that unlocks this scheme right now for Sark. Hey, guys, go back and look, though. This, and I don't give credit. I know a lot of people are going to be critical of Sark. But I want to give credit to him about the adjustments. It was the drive in the fourth quarter. Um, I call it the Jordan Whittington drive. Remember they kept going to Jay Witt oh, on yeah. that one drive? Um, and they ended up scoring with Jonathan Brooks on the 29-yard run. Give Sark a lot of credit. The reason it was the Jay Witt drive, that's the drive that Gentry Williams goes down on. The nickelback. And they put in the other guy. What was his name? I forget the other number fifteen. Lawrence. Lawrence. They put in. They put now. They put in fifteen. Another dude. I forget his name. He's another guy. He's a backup. Um, and Sark went after him. That's why they kept going at going at Jay Witt. They kept going after the guy who was the backup for Gentry Williams when he went down. Number fifteen. That's that gives Sark. That's feel of the game. Hell, backups in there. Let's go. Jay Witt's gonna be my guy on this drive. And they end up scoring on that drive. But a lot of those plays came because they were attacking the same spot. So I just want to give Sark a little credit for that. I thought that was pretty cool. We didn't get enough of it, but Sark's, Sark's growing. I, I see the growth, guys. We didn't see enough of it in the game, but I saw growth. I mean, that's that's a response. This was more on, honestly, him just letting – this biggest mistake as a coach was giving Dylan Gabriel back the football. That's feel of the game. You should have known that dude was in the zone. You shouldn't have given him back the ball. Well, and you weren't getting pressure the whole game. Exactly. You trusted your defense too much. Did you not – First three, why the hell would you get that guy back the ball? You should have played six minute football, and he didn't. All right, I don't disagree with anything Rod just said at all. Uh, I think that this game was lost in two ways uh, turnovers, uh, red zone, those two kind of combined together for me. Uh, and then the Texas defense just did not, did not play well at times. Um, guys were running too free in the set. I mean, guys, look. In the final two minutes, those guys were open. It wasn't like they were tightly covered, those receptions. Nope. None of them were, actually. Nope. They were open. Yeah. And so uh, my question there is, I mean, is that – that's not necessarily the pass rush. That's more the secondary having issues, right? Yeah, they hadn't faced a real quarterback, guys. We said it all week. We said it all week. It's, the defense has been great. But they've been facing quarterbacks who are not necessarily a high-level 
high level starting quarterbacks at the power five level. They just weren't. All right. And now they face a guy, and I will say that Dylan Gabriel. And, and there are a lot of guys like this. Because Dylan Gabriel is probably more knowledgeable of this system, being and shoot system, than any quarterback is knowledgeable of their system in the country. But he kept them out of so many bad plays, and there were so many plays that he made where Texas, you know, they 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 could have had him, you know, a tackle here, but he was able to break a tackle, or the ball placement was right on the money, where it allowed the wide receiver to turn and run. They went. This is what happens when you go up against a, a elite level quarterback in their system. I'm not saying he's elite quarterback, period, but in that system, in that system today, he played at an elite level. Well, no question and, about it. And they brought up QB run game for him today. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that changed a lot for me. I don't know what Drew thought about that, but when I started seeing the QB run game effective, I was like, uh oh. That, that's a different. Uh-huh. That's a different animal for Texas. Have to stop if you're not getting pressure with your front. It. It. I thought about this after the fact, Jerry. Last week, the difference between Jason Bean. Jason Bean is fast. Right. So he was going to use his speed. His speed. His speed tested us. But the way in which Dylan Gabriel was used today in the run game, I think is more similar. Not in a triple option fashion, but some of those quarterback draws are exactly what I think we probably would have seen last week yeah. um, with Kansas coming into town. Um, so it's just not to say last week would have made a difference this week, but you got to, I mean, the way they used him in the run game, he was effective. He was faster and twitchier than I thought he was. I hadn't seen that. Um, not in a way that I thought would make a difference uh, up really up until this game. I mean, I try to see the team that we have today only as a team that we have today and not to try to connect today to the past because I think we keep calling on these ghosts of the past. The more and more we think, oh, this reminds me of the time when, you yeah. know, third down in this. This reminds me of the game of this. I think we keep manifest, manifesting BS for ourselves the more we mm-hmm. try to call on the past or relate to things. But at the end of the day, Dylan Gabriel came prepared to play um, and we had opportunities in spite of mistakes, and we just couldn't take advantage of them. But there's a lot we'd like to have back. Uh, guys, uh, any any highlights for you guys for Texas in this regard? I mean, any, I know it's hard to talk about. I just felt like Quinn Ewers, uh, look, you don't finish 31 of 37. I don't care who you're playing against. Not have uh, maybe the best three quarters, you know what I mean? I mean, that's – that's so, tough. 31 of 37 is throwing the rock around pretty good, guys. Anybody so, else that you all thought had a good game? It's hard for me to count somebody on. I can't say a guy had a great game on defense. And, Rod, I'll no. say this. Jade Barron didn't have a great game on defense. And no, he, he got blocked today. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you who probably is going to grade out pretty well is Derek Williams. I was going to say that. For a freshman, I'm like, whoa-oh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. I, 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 Jerry, we're, we're, I'm literally thinking the same thing. All the rotation we've been doing at safety, I think that's going to work itself out now. Yeah. Um, there's a reason why certain guys have not played as many snaps as we've been wondering why they haven't been playing. Um, there's a, but we also, regardless of, of how fast someone comes downhill and violent they can be, you're either missing tackles. Or you're doing shoestring tackles where the guy still gets three or four more extra yards. 
and your liability and coverage, you can't have that at the safety position. So if you're going to choose to play someone, play guys who are going to get reps, who are going to improve, who are going to play safe, who are going to yep. make sound tackles, who are going to be sound in coverage, and it's not all home run, big hit, or not. Because on defense, I think we had opportunities to make more sound plays in coverage and more sound tackles, but we're going for kill shots, and I'm going crazy. Uh, and both on even when we got when we got pressure, we were going for kill shots sometimes. When we had opportunities for tackles for loss, we were going for kill shots. And that second wave of guys coming to tackle weren't coming behind the guy missing the tackle. So uh, we, we got to clean that up. But yeah, I mean, Derek Williams stands out to me, hands down. Hey, you always have to rewatch a game on the offensive line, and I'm not saying he's going to grade out high. Hunter Robertson probably deserves a little bit of a tip of the cap. I mean, no, he does. He does. He does. But at the same time, Jerry, they ran my my question there. They ran right behind him three straight times on the goal line. I mean, he he, predictable, predictable, yes. But let's be clear. I mean, he wasn't moving people. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying three weeks ago he was the third team center and he had to come in. I agree. Look, I'm I'm nitpicking. I agree that he's a guy. I want to talk about Quinn Ewers though because he did have a good game, guys. Nobody's following up with this. After those, after the first quarter, the guy finished 31 of 37 and still lost. I, 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 look, because, in my opinion, that's because of the Texas defense. No, no, it is It is a good – I'll say this. Okay, so I agree with you. He had a good game, and I'll give Sark credit for being able to get his quarterback back into a groove, back into a rhythm when it seemed like chaos was breaking out all around him, right? So that shows you Sark and Quinn, they do have that – that relationship, right? They, that chemistry that you need. Um, but, and and even Cole McCoy actually talked about this too. Cole McCoy was on with, um, and he was on like Rich Eisen. I Colin Cowherd this week. Was it Colin yeah. Cowherd? He, he, did, he did the rounds and he actually said, you know, Brent Venables will always show you something that you haven't seen. That's just part of what Brent Venables does. You're going you're gonna to get something that you're not expecting. And we've, we've talked about, if you can show Quinn something early on in the game, that he's not prepared for. And I got to go look and see exactly what it was. I haven't watched the films, watched the game. Um, that he, You can get him to start slow. And if he starts slow, then Texas starts slow. That's the whole point. And even Sark said that, right, about the first three games that two of our opponents, they gave us looks that we didn't prepare for, that we, we didn't see on film. And then Quinn started slow in two of those three games. We assume that's Rice in Wyoming. So I'm assuming this may be the same thing. So – I think you're totally right. He did find his groove, and I'm glad. That shows you the football character of Quinn Ewers. See, now that maturity, he's able to bounce back from, you know, bad starts, from slow starts, whatever it may be. So I like that about him, and that is a step in the right direction. But it does show you if you're opposing defensive coordinator, as long as you can break tendency early on in Texas and show Quinn something he's not prepared for, he's not mature enough yet as a quarterback with enough reps and recall to go, oh, I got this. Okay, I know this offense well enough. We're good, guys. I'll make mm-hmm. this check. I'll make this audible, and we're good. You're still not there yet. Correct. That's the. That's why I think people are looking at. What What do you well, got, Drew? What do you want to say, Drew? Well, it's a little predictable to start. I, I just I just replayed the the red zone tip ball pick in my head. I just replayed the red zone one inch line pass to um. Uh, worthy that almost got there. I mean, we were close, guys. I mean, I, I hate this game because of that. We we overthink it before and we overthink it after. Um, 
before it, we, we go through so many ways that this thing can go wrong. And then afterwards, I, I mean, here, here we are. But it's just the perfect stat line, the perfect timeliness of OU to make plays when they made them this year. Uh, I mean, 31 to 37, this is Quinn's best game. Is yeah, it not? After the other than the two interceptions. Right. Like from a Have y'all talked about the second interception? I mean, look, in the NFL, that ball's caught for a touchdown, guys. Uh it was it was a little it was high. I don't know. It was high. It was high. It was high in a way. It was high. It was high. It was a little high. It, 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 the ball, the ball well, placement. I'm well. just saying, elite quarterbacks. They look at the defenders. There's a, you know, looking at the defenders around them in that situation. That's what ball placement's about. It was a little high, yeah, considering. It was a little high. How, how 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 small that window was. They they need he needs to put that on his chest, not a, not above his face mask. Yeah, there you go. I, I, that's that's my take. Um, all right, look, uh, this is the post game on Inside Texas on Texas football. Post game brought to you by uh, Flight, the next generation of light beer by Yingling. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship. Uh, guys, Jerry uh, Hamilton, Rod Babers, Drew Kelson joining me. Uh, Longhorns lose 34 to 30 on a last minute touchdown drive from Dylan Gabriel. It was a seesaw battle, uh, fellas, almost all game long. Uh, the Longhorns, uh, you know, looked when they got, when they went fourth, fourth and one in law and didn't make it on the goal line, I thought the game was over. And then Oklahoma goes down there, and I, I thought they were going to run down and score. They did not. Texas fought back. They came back from 10 points down in the second half to go up by three. Um, I feel like this team has some fight in it. We clearly saw that. I think they're a talented team, uh, but just not good enough today uh, for one reason or another. Dylan Gabriel is the reason. It's Dylan Gabriel, guys. He, he averaged over like seven and a half yards per play. Anytime he dropped back, anytime he ran the football. <laughs> Who thought that was going to happen? I got to go back and look at his history as a quarterback and find out when he's averaged seven and over seven and a half yards per play. Anytime he dropped back, anytime he ran the football, they couldn't. They yeah. didn't have an answer for him. They did not they have an answer. A lot of time in the pocket. You know, he had yep. a lot of time in the pocket. What's what, what I can't wait to go back and watch. I'm sorry. No, that was a very comfortable player in the pocket being at the game. Very. Amen. It, it seemed like late we realized, okay, we can't rush him anymore, so let's just bat down some passes. Yeah. They did, too. He's, getting, right. he's getting rid of the ball so fast. How about we just rush and then just step back? And I mean, there's a couple guys who had some some, some knockdowns at the line of scrimmage late. Um, We learned a lot from this game. <laughs> if, if we need to know this, some things later, hopefully we're ready to come mm -hmm. in and dial, dial it up, uh, ready for it. But, yeah, that uh, Rod, I, I can't disagree. Dylan Gabriel put on the show today. Put on the show. <laughs> hey, what did y'all think? Here's, here's a, a super chat. I want to get to this because I was kind of uh, miffed by it a little bit too. Horrible clock management by Sark. Snapping the ball with 20 seconds left, 25 seconds left in the two-minute drill. We should have killed the clock and won on a field goal with about 20 seconds left. Y'all agree with that? I thought we were going to do that, and it just didn't uh, didn't happen. I got to go back and watch it again to make sure. The, the, the reason why I feel strongly about that is we had a tie game. Yeah. Well, the I worst agree. case scenario is we go into overtime. Yeah. So if you wanted, if you were being mindful enough about using the clock, worst case scenario is we go into overtime. Um, in this case, it felt like we weren't sure we were going to be able to get in field goal range or score, so we were – Pressing. Um, 
And I, I, really, Bert the only thing we did to get in the field goal range was continue to execute like we had the whole second half. The second, I mean, yeah. we, we Quinn was dialing up. Quinn was executing throughout the game. It, it felt like more than six completion, six incompletions, but I realized the turnovers just add up that much more. Yep. It so. felt it, it felt like Sark really didn't want to kick that field goal. <laughs> you know, no, he did not. He did not coming off of last week. Uh, he did not. Um, and Maybe he faked it though. Did he fake it? Like he was gonna? They want. They tried to draw him offside. Draw him offside. <laughs> Promotions. I, I, I turned to my son. I was like, he doesn't want to kick this field goal, man. <laughs> you know. But hey, by, by, by the way, credit to Bird Auburn for a bounce back game. Yeah, that's a great point. You're right. Hey, he he, he just the biggest kick of his career today. And that yeah. had, that had he extra did leg on it. That could have went five more yards. That could have went fifty something. Yeah, he did yeah. his part. No, I agree. Yeah. And, and that's a good point, Jerry. And this is it's going to Sarks, right? Feel of the game. I can't wait to go watch the uh, the post game in uh, the post game media availability. You know, because some coaches are good coaches based on what they've experienced for the first three and a half quarters. They'll go. I'm not giving Dylan Gabriel back that football. It's just not going to happen. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And maybe his gut was talking to him in terms of us talking about his growth as a coach, saying, I didn't want to kick it. And in retrospect, he'll look and have that man in the mirror moment tonight and go, damn it, my gut tried to tell me that I didn't want to give that guy back the football, that he was, he, you know, my defense wasn't playing really well. We couldn't cover those guys very well. We couldn't create a pass rush. And maybe I should have tried to milk that clock a little bit more. I think that's him. He's still growing. He's still learning yeah. on the job as a coach. I think this was one of those games those where we saw growth from Sark, and maybe he'll learn from this moment that, man, there's some sometimes where I need to I need to trust the, the game, the feel of the game I have, and not necessarily the scouting reports and the evaluations and the preparation. No, three-quarters of sample size and data, go with that. But Dylan Gabriel was averaging over seven and a half yards per play. And hell, man, that means you get down the field no matter if you're going as a runner or a passer. I think Sark might regret that decision. Drew, uh, to Drew's point about running that clock down, you know what that drive reminded me of? The Texas Tech game in Lubbock. I was like, ah, there's a lot of time left on the clock for a guy who's been really good, and Oklahoma was really good in tempo today, and Texas had no air. That's a great point about the tempo. And I wonder now if teams are going to take that and run tempo against Texas too because Drew said it from the jump. It really did neutralize the pass rush and some of the run concepts of uh, that Oklahoma did, and we'll get into that in, in throughout the week. Obviously, um, they attacked the edges, and that 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 type of running game it had the defensive line on skates. I mean, those guys were they couldn't be as you know aggressive. They didn't attack and penetrate, you know. And oh, Kansas did some similar things too. Maybe on these two weeks, you're gonna see some teams about to build game plans to try to, you know, neutralize Texas pass rush in that defensive line because Kansas did a good job. And let's be honest, Oklahoma did a good job. I, I, I hope they do it, Rod, because you can't flip a switch and become what right. OU was today. That that takes scheme. That takes offseason and yep. everything else. So ho hopefully people do think they get an edge on us by doing that. Uh, but they, they were surgical today. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. That's real. They, they were just really good, guys. I, they, they played a good offensive brand of ball. They do not have a great offensive skill group. I think they had a great scheme with a quarterback that is a high-level operator. That That's reality. I mean, he is a high-level <laughs> operator. He got them into the right things, to the line of scrimmage, uh, well executed uh, by OU overall, in my opinion. I, I thought, you know, this came up earlier, and I was trying to think of, like, who else stood out to me. We called Derek, Derek Williams out, Jerry, but I, I think Anthony Hill flashed today. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what his stats were today, but – I looked up and zero was making hits. Zero was around the ball. He was he he, he grew up today. Um, I'm not sure what Manny Muhammad did, but I'll start paying a little bit more attention to our younger players. And there there's some bright spots here, uh, but Anthony Hill Jr. Okay, eight eight tackles today. Yeah. Hey, hey Rod, I, I I thought Terrence Brooks had a pretty good game for as much as he was challenged today. Oh yes, I love the play really made. I call at the end. Yeah, that was tough because I know he was trying to look back for the football. It's tough when you're facing the wide receiver to look back for the football that and that from that angle. He was trying though, and remember that's why. Remember the the, the deep ball early to Xavier Roy. I think it was an out and up where people thought that should have been a PI call, but there wasn't. And honestly, you go look back. It's because the DB was looking back at the football. But he was doing it kind of uh, on the opposite from the opposite angle, and that's kind of what Terrence Brooks was trying to do. But end up calling him because he still had his hands on the wide receiver. So it was a, it was a good call. But what I did, my favorite play from him is the deep ball, where they throw it and he plays the hands of the wide receivers. Basically, he doesn't he doesn't swipe at the hands. The hands go up. It was a great play. Timing was brilliant. It was a really good play. I'd like to see him, you know, play a little stickier coverage at times to to receivers. I think he relies on his makeup speed, which he has sometimes a little too much instead of when he needs to. It's almost something he kind of builds within his technique. I'd like to see him just play stickier coverage overall. He gave up because I think he gave up like an out and route here or there. But I'm with you. I, Terrence Brooks, I said before the season started, I thought he'd be your bet, one of your best cornerbacks, if not your best cornerback. I, I think he's still proven that to be the case. And the truth is, Oklahoma's wide receiving core, Bobby, you said this, so I'll give you a lot of credit. Honestly, man, they may be as good, not better than Bama's receiving core. And then maybe the best receiving core they faced so far this year. Yeah. Oh, I think they are. I think yeah. they are too. Yeah, they, oh, they've okay. got guys that are not necessarily great players, but they're gonna they've got good players. Farouk is a good player. I, I, I love the I love what OU did with the uh, uh, lining up Farouk as a as a uh, wildcat guy. Yeah, absolutely. Just to get them, just to get another element of the run game, right? Just to give yeah. a, a little bit of uh, difference to Texas. They didn't go to it too much. They went to it. I think. Two or three guys. Yep. All three were successful, by the way. Yep. I, I credit Jeff Levy, honestly. Um, yes. The, the, this this offense, I mean, they didn't expect their receivers to perform this way this year. I think the scheme is what creates the opportunities for the receivers over the course of the game. That's why they've had over 14 different guys score touchdowns and catch passes and do all these different things. 
as because the scheme, as long as you're committed to running the routes and running the offense the way you need to run it, and you you're catching the ball, guys are going to find their spots. And you have a guy like Dylan Gabriel um, distributing the ball. That's just different. So I look across the country and I say, okay, how many senior upper class quarterbacks are lights out right now? And that's really when you look across the teams that are actually doing well and have good quarterback play, it's upperclassmen quarterbacks. And this scheme match with this quarterback right now is it's lights out. So Hopefully next year Dylan Gabriel leaves. Jeff Levy gets a gets a job somewhere else. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, hey, you beat Texas, you you get a chance to you know you, you're on you're on the top list for head coaching gigs. But um, yeah, I think this offense combination is with, with this quarterback was a lot. It really highlights these receivers and makes the most out of what what they can bring to a game plan. Yeah, well, the good news is you don't face another high level quarterback. <laughs> That's the good news. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, one. you know what? I was wa- watching this game today and, and I was walking down at halftime and I saw Colin Simmons sitting in the stands. I said, again, dynamic edge pass rusher. Texas still, they're still one away defensively. They we didn't have you. the one guy that said, I'm enough of this. Dylan Gabriel is sitting in the pocket for five seconds, patting footballs. Enough of this. That guy's just not there right now. Yeah. Yeah. OU's tackles held up. They did. To your point, OU's tackles held up. No sacks, I don't think, for the Longhorns today, guys. Unless I'm, unless I just forgot one. Uh, I don't think one was created by a down lineman. Uh, That's for sure. Uh, What about? I I, I saw some issues in run support from Jaron Thompson and Michael Taft today. Did you guys see that at all from safeties like taking the wrong angle on the quarterback, or was that? Yeah, that's what we were concerned about. Remember, we talked about this guy, that deer and shoot because of the wide splits of the wide receivers forces the safeties to widen their alignments a little bit. And usually it messes up the angles to the football, especially when you're running quarterback draw. Right? Um, and they, they want to make you play with a lighter box. I think that quarterback draw really put uh, Texas defenders in a lot of conflict constantly because go back and watch it. He was patient with it. There were times if people get confused, like, oh, that was a that was a scramble. I was like, no, it wasn't a scramble. That was a draw. He would just hold it for a good second and a half before he would let the block the blocks get into place, and then he would take it. They ran that play at least four times that I can think of that quarterback draw, and it was it was well executed, man. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. They didn't they didn't think about spying Dylan Gabriel today. That that wasn't in the no. game plan. All but, right, but, uh, but Bobby, it was the most rushes he's had, tied for the most rushes in his career. 14 and the most rushing yards he's had in his career. So they broke tendency like a mofo. This is this was it. It's, it was a tendency break of all tendency breakers. This was not on film. It was not. All right. Hey, this, is, this is a great question. We talked about this leading up to the game. And let, let me read it real quick so you can answer, Jerry. Does the defensive depth we have cause our guys to have a little less individual conditioning and OU's tempo, tempo negating some substitutions result in the slugging D we showed in the second half, you know, they're used to going three plays real hard or four plays. And then all of a sudden they're being asked to go seven plays. I, I, I think it's a combination of, yes, the substitutions do impact it. But when you run in tempo, you're not just running a play fast. You're also a lot of times you're getting rid of the ball quickly. So regardless of, yeah. of how fast you're running the next play, the D line didn't really have opportunities 
to really get after the passer. But then when we did see the D-line get opportunities, four-man rush, and Dylan Gabriel was just sitting back there patting the ball, I don't even know if that was a conditioning issue as much as it was OU's 5-0 lineman, knew he was going to need more time. Our 4-0 lineman, they didn't know if that was going to be another quick throw or another let's get after it. And so you just kind of end up, they know what they're doing. They were in full control. Even when we had four guys rushing, they blocked it well. I, I don't think it was a conditioning issue as much as it was a, a guessing game from our from our standpoint. And for whatever reason, Rod, I'd love to hear your feedback. I'm going to go back and watch too. But we did not attempt to get pressure consistently on him. We did not add guys into the pressures. Um, and by the looks of it, we needed every guy back there covering. But um, I, I, tempo is critical. But I do think the fact that they get rid of the ball so fast, even on passing downs, I'm not sure how much of a difference conditioning made in that situation. Yep. I got to go back and watch and see exactly how many spread sets they played from. thing about blitzing is because they, they can make you play with a lighter box. It's tough to disguise a blitz. You either show you coming. You, I mean, you're going to show you coming because they're like, well, this guy ain't guarding anybody. Who's guarding? We got our, we got full wide out here. We got receivers out there. So he must be coming. So it's hard to disguise it. And then it gets to Drew's point about we're getting rid of the ball quickly. So now you're just wasting a damn defender because he's in no man's land. I'm getting rid of the ball in two seconds anyway. He's got no chance to get home. So it, except the, the, the nature of the offense, the scheme itself actually made it tough for Texas to pressure the opposing quarterback. Going into the game, guys, over 70% of Dylan Gabriel's passes were attempted with no pressure in his face. The scheme is the reason why. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt. The scheme is the, scheme's the reason why. There's no doubt. I mean, look, they – just being there in the stadium, man, it was apparent early that um, Texas was going to have issues getting pressure on Gabriel. There was just – I always say feet on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I wasn't seeing enough feet on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And I just didn't see it early. And then when they start running quarterback draw, you're on your heels. Yep. And when they started running that early, I was like, ooh. I mean, that's a little that's a little different game for a guy that's an accurate passer if you're gonna start running quarterback run game with him too. And, and at the end of the day, our defense has carried us this year. Let's just call it what it is. Our defense has carried us this year. Championship teams. You're, at some point, your offense has to take the lead. Or in our offense, I think put up the stats. The turnovers were the difference. Today, we did not have an edge defensively. I don't know if the next time we play these guys, we're going to have an edge defensively, regardless okay. of the talent. The scheme neutralizes the trenches, and so then you're playing seven on seven. You're playing scheme. Mm -hmm. You're playing timing. You're playing tempo. All those things factors into play after play after play. To where honestly, you do have hope that they drop a ball that they snap a ball by the quarterback or over his head or that they run a run play into the, the right defensive coverage. Because at the end of the day, uh, the, the defense really could have used the offense bailing them out today um, because, I mean, the defense has held it, held it down for, for, for weeks now. So, um, yeah, this one, in spite of the offensive production, um, I still want to hold the offense accountable for not doing what the defense needed to to to, to make sure that we we have, we have the opportunities to win this game. The offense only scored twenty three points. Yep. To your point, Drew, they moved the ball up and down the field especially well from the second quarter on. Really, five hundred and twenty seven yards of total offense, but one of three in the red zone is 
just unacceptable. Whereas OU was six of six, right? Um, with uh, four touchdowns by comparison, two field goals. That was not what Texas expected in the red zone. They've been a pretty good red zone defense though, so so far this year. OU with a veteran quarterback. To your point, uh, and it, let's be clear, J- Jaron Thompson dropped an interception too, guys. Oh, I was, was going to say that was, that was a big huge. one. That was yeah. huge, man. Um, um, I, I, don't know, I don't know what else to say there. All right, uh, this is the Texas Post game. I'm Bobby Burton, uh, a lot live with uh, Drew Kelson, Rod Babers, Jerry Hamilton. Uh, it is brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer from Yingling. We're going to take some questions and, and uh, try to talk to you guys a little bit. Uh, let's talk about this. This is uh, from uh, Jalen Ford had the worst game I've seen from him in his time as a starter. I just think they put him in really bad conflict. Do y'all think this was a bad game for Jalen Ford? I'm, I'm going to let those guys answer. I'm going to get running and fight a bunch of angry drivers going south on I-45. So <laughs> I'm going to get my driving game face on now because I, I don't know how much red ass is on the road, but I'm predicting a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right, brother. Be safe. Thanks, Jerry. Be safe, Jerry. Oh, what, were you, what are y'all's thoughts on Jalen Ford, guys? Uh, I'm with you. I think you did you hit the nail on the head, Bobby. They put him in constant conflict. The quarterback draw was a big part of it. I mean, just got getting a linebacker. Hell, Drew probably could talk about it better than myself. Getting a linebacker, thinking about the quarterback draw now in the passing game, too, in addition to their coverage responsibilities. That right there is an innate conflict. Uh, I also thought he did a really good job. Uh, you know, uh, go look at some of the formations uh, that they ran. Uh, in terms of how they, in the run game, they attacked the edges for Texas. They did a really good job of being able to attack the edges in the run game. I actually was surprised um, that Texas gave up uh, some of those plays in the run game uh, on the edges. But uh, I think that you got to give Jeff Levy a lot of credit. I and mean, he did a really good job of uh, being able to kind of put Jalen Ford and Bender. We talked about this with Bender, too. Really, it was both linebackers. It wasn't just a Jalen Ford thing. The linebackers as a whole, I just don't think they played a great game. I think they were points of um, – there were points of, of vulnerability that Oklahoma tried to attack, and I didn't think that would be the case. Yeah, J- Jalen Ford, I, I, I found them a lot of times being in no man's land, and I, I do think it was more schematic than it was anything else. Mm-hmm. There, there are times where I felt like I was waiting for him to come downhill faster. I'm like, dude, it's run, it's run, it's run. It's much easier to see, though, from for where I'm sitting than <laughs> when you're thinking of all the various things they could be doing off of run action. Um, so, but in a lot of the passing downs, the linebackers were in no man's land. They were even, they were nowhere near where the ball was being thrown to be in position to, to make an impact on the play. So in a lot of ways, while Jalen Ford had, you know, I think he left the team in tackles. I mean, he was up there in the top three, but at the end of the day, I did feel like he wasn't coming as down heel as fast, but more specifically on the edges. But as far as pass game influence, fast game involvement, they eliminated our linebackers, I felt, from the pass game defense. So it felt as though we could have brought more guys because they, they just weren't in an impactful position to be able to make plays in the passing game. I wonder if they – I got to go see how many RPOs they ran to. Um, I know they like to run RPOs. not sure how many they ran against Texas. Um, but that's also something that puts a lot of – second level defenders in conflict constantly 
Um, so I got to go back and look at that. But honestly, I think I think it was a quarterback run game that really just had Jalen Ford and Bender had him discombobulated. Guys, they they didn't game plan for it. That you can tell they did not game plan for Dylan Gabriel running the football on design runs that much. They just didn't. Nobody thought it was going to happen. Like I just told you, ultimate tendency breaker. He hasn't done it in his career to that extent. Um, and that I think is really what forced the linebackers and the defensive line to have to respect uh, his running, his feet and his running ability to an extent they just were not prepared to do. And you saw it all throughout the game. They even tried it on that last drive. Texas finally figured it out, actually, the quarterback draw on that last drive. But I think that's a big part of it too, man. All right, I got a question here from the Rational Texas. Texas was OU's Alabama. Uh, y'all think that? Y'all agree with that? Venables came with the game plan he's been working on all summer, and his players were ready to take the fight to Texas. It's something we talked with uh, with Josh McQuiston from Sooner Scoop. He said OU hasn't really been tested all year. So they haven't been able to had to show anything special. Uh, still think we have the better team. We'll see them again. Y'all think that Texas may see this Oklahoma team again? It's possible for sure. It's, it's possible for sure. At the end of the day, you keep it in context. We had three turnovers and this game came down to the wire. Our team was able to put ourselves in position to win against this team with three turnovers. They didn't have any turnovers. They did make some heads up plays. And, I mean, they made some really good heads up plays both on third down and both on just, I mean, they, they've gotten, I won't even say bailed out, but we gave them a lot of opportunities in timely situations. So um, I, I'm, I hope we see them again, but I'm not concerned about it. I do feel as though Dylan Gabriel played lights out, hands down, can't take that away from him. But a lot of our challenges, a lot of our issues were self-imposed. Um, you get three turnovers, uh, you don't, three turnovers and you don't punch it in when you have opportunities in the red zone and you still have a chance to win, there's no doubt I feel we're, we're still the better team. However, OU came prepared. They imposed some of the challenges that we had on ourselves. So yeah. um, there are things that we have to fix. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that uh, – first of all, I hope we see them again. But, uh, yeah, th this was this was totally – There's no margin for error now. Yes. Texas yeah. wants to see them again. You will definitely see them again because the Big 12 is weak. <laughs> and they got the second-best quarterback in the Big 12 or the best quarterback, depending on how you want to look at it, in the Big 12. So you'll see them again. There's no question about that. Um, but I'll go back to the first point, and I said it all this week. This was Oklahoma's Alabama. There's no doubt about it. They didn't have a marquee game to start the season, and they got embarrassed last season on the biggest stage against their most heated rival, Venom's been hearing about this all year long. People have been talking about, man, you better make sure you show up against Texas. Better make sure y'all show up against Texas. He's been obsessing about this game. He's been studying it. He's been down the rabbit hole about it, much like Sark did for Alabama. And the problem with Sark is you ain't you got you got all offseason to prepare for Alabama. He had all offseason to prepare for Texas. And it looks like that may have been the case. And it's okay. It's all right. You know what? I I, I actually support Sark's gamble to, to prepare for Bama and beat Bama in terms of momentum that you gathered. You had a chance to win this game. I mean, Drew just talked about it. One less turnover, the one that gave them a touchdown or the one that took a touchdown off the board for Texas, and you win the game. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a game of inches. The 31 of 37. Really 31 of 37, Ron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One less. Even a fumble. And you lost. And yeah. you lost. And you lost. <laughs> So, like, I, 
it's it's, yeah. it's still you it, the rematch whenever i think it is going to happen you got a really good chance to beat them it's hard to beat a team two times in the same season as we know that all right poke casino facts are you three turnovers on offense is extremely hard to win against great teams i don't know that i would call the sooners a great team texas fought hard because it could have been a double digit loss yes it could have you're yep, right. We made some mistakes, but we still have a lot of games to play and win. This game, this season is not over. Let's be clear. Uh, but, but the, <laughs> the path to national uh, possibilities becomes more in focus than ever. You got to win out. Yep. You, you got to win out to win the Big 12. You got to win out to be in any kind of football playoff discussion. Uh, y'all's thoughts on that? Totally agree. You got to win out. And now you kind of root for Oklahoma to win out so you can see Oklahoma under here. Yeah. Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, beat them. That catapults you into, I don't know where the rankings will be. You should be probably top five by then because Oklahoma, if they're undefeated, they're going to be a top five team, if not, you know, top four. And then you can talk about college ball playoff. But for now, back to reality. All right. You got to get back to the basics. And that means getting back to your next opponent. And beating U of H and winning the winning out. It's just that simple. Which you can. If you lose to another opponent in the Big 12, and we've looked at the Big 12 now, it's not even close to how competitive we thought it was going to be. That would be extremely disappointing considering now we know what you're capable of as a team. Yeah. And by the, the way, the rest of the season is a trap game. Every, every season is a trap game now. Two quarterbacks yeah. uh, that may, may, uh, Tech, Tech has a quarterback that can throw the ball around, has some receivers. Keaton Slovis at BYU has, has a quarterback that can throw it around. I don't think U of H has enough this year, even though Donovan Smith has beaten Texas before as that quarterback at uh, at uh, exactly. U of H. Will Howard did not look great last night he when, he, when he tried to throw it. They miss, the, they miss Kurt Warner's son so bad right now. They can't. Yep. Uh, this one, uh, Taylor Johnson, UT beat themselves three turnovers, ten penalties, Everything is still in front of you. Go get it. Hook them. I, I, I can tell you, guys, we can say stuff like that as much as we want to. The disappointment on that bus home right now, it, they don't want to even hear about that right now, right? First of all, no, nobody wants to hear that right now. Uh, like I said, I got to watch my mouth. Uh, nobody wants to hear that right now. But <laughs> I mean, for everybody who said we're going to win eleven or have an eleven and one season or a ten and two season, you shouldn't be mad. You expected us to lose a game this year. I didn't. I didn't want us to lose. I didn't think we'd lose this one. I didn't think we should have lost this one. I don't think we'll lose another one uh, in the Big Twelve. So I should be the most disappointed person here, considering my prediction. But we had to lose one. I'd rather it be one against somebody who actually showed up and tested us and beat us soundly. I mean, at the end of the day. We had three turnovers. We had to fight. We had to earn it. They earned some of those turnovers. They came aggressive. They came ready to play. How did you expect a loss to look this year? You know, if you weren't thinking we were going to go undefeated, how did you expect a loss to look? Now, it is time to process it, flush it out, come back, and, 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 and go back to work. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about going back to work. Um, I hate losing the OU. I went two and two against OU, um, and and none of them were were, were blowouts. So I, I can't imagine. I mean, I lost to them twelve and zero my freshman year, uh, twelve to zero my freshman year, and that, I mean, 
played lights out that game and couldn't put points on the board. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's never fun to lose this game. But if you didn't think this team was going undefeated, how did you think a loss was going to win, uh, was going to feel? And they all feel terrible against OU. But I, I must say there's a portion of this where you just got to give respect because they played soundly, came out, and made the plays that were presented for them to make. But if we had this game back, I just I don't see three turnovers again um, but based on the way they happened and, and, and who was responsible for them. Uh, it was just uncharacteristic. All right. I uh, got a couple questions. I'm with, I'm Bobby Burton with uh, Drew Kelson, Rod Babers of on Texas football. This is the inside Texas post game show brought to you by flight from Beagling. It's the next generation of, uh, of uh, light beer. Uh, this one is going to be one that may get y'all's ire up a little bit. Ben Jacobs, too many players standing around while their teammates were either getting tackled or trying to finish a tackle. Nobody was trying to finish plays. Very disappointing, the lack of edge from our guys. I will say this, okay? I don't think that that there was, like, I don't like the absolutes, like nobody was trying to finish plays, uh, all of that stuff. I think there were a couple times where, especially in the first half, uh, the OU running back was gaining yards, and they weren't finishing the tackles. Some guys were standing around letting them gain an extra yard or two. Uh, I saw that, but I don't think it was I don't think it was widespread. And frankly, I don't think those players played much in the second half. If I I know who I'm talking about here. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it happens. I mean, it happens. You gotta, you gotta have you gotta earn the right to get on that field. Rod, Rod, tell me if you believe this or not. There's a certain thing about the OU game going up leading up to the game. There are guys who there's only a certain handful of guys who are typically qualified to even play. You have guys who are rotating into the game, and the OU games comes and they don't see the field. Yep. But after the OU game, you only see the guys yeah, who showed up, up for the OU game. Yeah. You really don't see That's real. guys rotating. And I don't care who the coach is, what the timing is, what the error is. If you weren't able to show up and execute for this team in this game, we rarely see those particular players getting as many snaps. I don't know who they are. I, I'm, when I go back and watch the film, I think we'll be able to speak more to that. But at the end of the day, um, anyone that you saw that wasn't giving max effort in this game, that was not executing well enough in this game, um, it will either be coached out or will be benched out. I mean, that that's the way this game works. You don't, yeah. you don't keep riding with guys who weren't able to find it in this game typically. Hey, Rod. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Rod. You answer no, no, that. I was, was going to say effort and execution, right? They're two different things. Effort, you can control. I mean, you've got control of that, right? Execution, there are times you have mental lapses. Hey, guys on scholarship to your opponent, he makes a great play. Scheme plays a role in that. Maybe your technique fundamentals were off, your footwork, something like that. Effort should never be questioned. So there's effort concerns about, like I said, not uh, on a mass level, not with the entire team, but with a few guys. Yeah, you can dip that in the bud right now. Uh, and that's something I, yeah, I'm sure to take the film. The honest guy don't lie. So the film, it, it will show you if you're out there taking lazy steps, man. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and not finishing in a game like yep. this is unacceptable, right? Exactly. All right, Lane C. Right. Uh, what o- offensive adjustments were made in the second half? I thought Quinn looked smooth and chunk plays were plenty. I agree. They found something in the second half. Rod or Drew, did y'all see what they got? Because, I mean, Quinn looked like he was on fire. 
He did. I got to go back and see exactly what they did. Uh, formationally, I love some of the stuff. They got really diverse. I saw you know, 21 personnel. They broke that out. The uh, the big. They also broke out Big 11, which is when they go with the extra offensive lineman, uh, Malik Agbo. But then they just have three wide receivers on the field. No tight ends on the field at all. No traditional tight ends. Malik Agbo is your non-traditional tight end, the sixth offensive lineman. So they, they ran that out there a couple of times, which I thought was interesting. I don't think I've ever seen Big 11. I've seen Big 12. Yeah. When they have Malik Agbo and then another tight end, but never Big 11. And maybe it's because of the JT Sanders injury, whatever it may be. Uh, so I think they went heavy and threw out a heavy sum, which helped them out with uh, Oklahoma because maybe Oklahoma was a little scared. They were going to be able to run the football against them. I don't, that may have been a big part of it. Go look at that. My favorite adjustment by Sark, the one just top of my mind was that. I call it the Jay Witt drive, the 29-yard touchdown scoring uh, drive, Jonathan Brooks scores. But they go to Jay Witt like four times in a row on the same drive. You're thinking, damn, maybe this is just a – they wanted to dial up Jay Witt. No, Oklahoma's one of their starting defensive backs got hurt, and the backup came in, and Sark was like, oh, hell, let's go. Backup's in, let's go. We're going at this guy. Love that. I just love that approach. That's just feel the game. It's a simple adjustment, but – when they have one of their weaker players in there because he's a backup playing there. He's think about it, he's going to the Texas Oklahoma game. I don't know how many snaps that dude has played, but he probably ain't played a lot. And his first snaps is just getting thrust into action in the Texas Oklahoma game in the heat of the moment. Like, oh yeah, eyes wide open. We're going at him. So I love that adjustment by sorry work too. They went after him like three or four times, made some big plays and got down there and scored a touchdown. So there were adjustments in the second half. To Bobby's point, Texas may have won the battle of adjustments in the second half but they didn't win the, the battle of game plan and preparation. And then in the fourth quarter, that ultimate, you know, clutch drive by Oklahoma, you just left them way too much time. That's a, that's a coaching, you know, mistake by Sark there. I mean, it's, it's a small one because who would have thought in 75 seconds with no timeouts, didn't get him to go all the way down the field and score a touchdown, but that's your job. <laughs> your job is to know that. <laughs> I've got a question here that I want to get to, and somebody's asking me this right now, and that's Doug Dodson. So what is the tiebreaker if Oklahoma wins out and, say, West Virginia uh, has uh, one loss? Uh, well, if if OU wins out, then I think West Virginia actually will have two losses because they play each other. And I think West Virginia, didn't they lose a, a uh, West, uh, matchup? Are they undefeated in conference play. They're undefeated in conference play, I know. Long story short, it goes to head-to-head uh, and then best cumulative winning percentage oh, okay. among tied teams. So head-to-head, then best cumulative win percentage in games among tied teams. So OU plays that Kansas, too, in a few weeks, guys. Yeah. Do you think this team, OU team, wins out? Do we think that? I mean, they should, they'll be favored the rest of the way. I, I saw the same team play Cincinnati, man. I, I don't care how they played against us. I've seen this team be vulnerable. So they're going to have work to win out. Just like we have work to win out, I strongly feel they're going to have work to win out. And they have to play at Kansas this year. Um, And I don't think Oklahoma State is worth much, but they play at Oklahoma State the week after they play at Kansas. In the final final rivalry game of that history, kind of. Yeah. Yep. So it's not – It's not. I mean, the Big 12 is not – people – I think what we fail to realize, and Rod, I give you credit for this because, you know, I'm the one who called out 12-0 and 0 for Texas. The logistics of the season, the you, teams still prepare every week yep. to play you, to beat you, to win against you. Yep. And 
who doesn't want to beat OU? Just like who doesn't want to beat Texas? OU has to go on the road to Kansas and then followed up. They go on the road to Oklahoma State. If they can get through that credit to them, great. But this isn't going to be a guaranteed walk for them. We got to stay dialed in and limit ourselves to one loss and keep rolling from where we are because there, there are no guarantees. Every team prepares to beat you. Um, and and I, I, honestly, three turnovers against any other team or other teams will probably have a different result for us. But exactly. against this team, not today. Not today. And it came down to the wire. Hey, guys, I didn't think – Nathan McNamee said, maybe I'm biased, refing felt one-sided. I'm not so sure about that. I don't think so. I think they took their sweet time making every damn call. I mean, they got to fix the whole – it's yeah. just taking way too long, way too long to make man. decisions that are really apparent right off the bat. It's so obvious. It's like, come on, that's a catch. What are we doing here for three, four minutes? So I, I think they – I think, Bobby, they knew – that there would be a spotlight on them because Texas, Oklahoma, last Big 12, Texas OU game, and they didn't want exactly what's happening with that that uh, that person in the chat that maybe there is a an agenda one way or another. So I think they just want to be careful. I don't think it was – I don't think the officiating played that much of a role, honestly, in my opinion. I think Texas yeah, – not, not, not in winning or losing, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, every fan is going to see what we think is favorable for us. Like I get that. Like it is what it is. But there were no egregious calls in that game. Um sure some that people probably wouldn't contest, but that wasn't the difference in the game. And I care about what was the difference in the game. And that wasn't it. Got it. All right. Hey, this one from C Bands. Defense disappointed all around, but the three straight stuffs on the goal line had me and everyone watching going nuts. Terrible. Uh here's another one. Jay the activist, the O line was terrible today. You think the O-line was terrible? They had 500-plus yards of total offense. It was clear that OU had decided they were going to try to stop the run at all costs, and uh, that's one of the reasons why Quinn lit them up. Uh, but, you know, not enough. Not enough. Yeah, the goal line The goal line was probably the most frustrating part. You know, big humans, right? Big humans. Big humans. We keep hearing about big humans. What's the point of big humans? <laughs> to push – Another human being uh, on the defense side of the ball out of the way against their will. Are you going to move them out of the way and not be able to do it on the goal line? It's frustrating. It's like, well, what's, what's the point of bringing in Tavon Dre Sweat and Byron Murphy? And so you want to bring in, I don't know, 2,500 pounds of mass on the offensive line so we can do what? Get stuffed? I get the frustration. I get it. And on top of that, when Sark does have to get into his creative, innovative bag down there, Essentially, he decides to just go with the wide receiver screen. There was no pre-snap motion. There was no movement. There was no shift. There was no formation variety. It was just a simple twin stack formation. He was like, we're going to throw it out there as a smoke route. I mean, it, it, it almost made it across the goal line, but maybe if you could have moved a defender around with a little pre-snap motion or a shift, which is basically the – that's kind of the, the pulse of your offense. Every damn 60% of your plays have a shift or a motion. You're giving it away when they don't. And I think that stagnant uh, element on the offense on the red zone, it allowed Oklahoma to read the play better. He's, his, his, his plays are always better with misdirection and with pre-snap motion, every last one of them. And that one didn't have any. I think I think what he tried to do there was just get to the line of scrimmage and get the call in quickly before Venables had a chance to even see what they were trying to do. I think that was like they got to the line and and it was snapped it was like fast. that. It was yeah, fast. I mean, 
I agree but, with you, though, Rod. It's uh, it's a big one. Hey, uh, Drew, earlier you were talking about uh, Anthony Hill. Antonio, Antonio Harris says, highlight of the game was the Anthony Hill body slam. Our freshman came to what came to play. OU still sucks. Uh, the <laughs> freshman may have come to play, but I, I, I'm, I'm sitting here concerned, and we talked about this in the preseason. Where is the pass rush going to come from? Best offensive line Texas has played thus far, right? In y'all's yep. opinion? Best quarterback better, than, better than Alabama. More be, better than the quarter. Better, better def- more cohesive than Alabama. More sure. cohesive. The scheme yep. feeds to it. All of it. Yep. Yeah. But like I said they won't. They won't play a quarter. A quarterback this competent in their system. All right. Uh, but I'm with you about the offensive or the offensive line Oklahoma has. I think their tackles were a strength for them. Their tackles showed up. They did a really good job, man, with their with their scheme of being able to neutralize the pat the pass rush of Texas. And they just don't have an the, – the, the, the pass rush is not organic like we thought. We thought they could have an organic pass rush, just a defensive lineman alone, because Sweat and Murphy would demand double teams and they could just, uh, you know, essentially destroy a pocket, collapse a pocket. That's not happening. This is not happening the last two weeks. So maybe you got to, as, as, as PK, as the defensive coordinator, now you got to supplement the, the pass rush a little bit. And maybe that is with blitzing. Maybe that's with some simulated pressure, second-level pressures however he wants to do it, but it's pretty obvious you can't allow opposing quarterbacks to sit back there that long without any type of pressure at all, and that's what Dylan Gabriel did. He was too clean today. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, this one from uh, Fresh6473. Uh, hey, guys, does this loss affect Texas's recruiting? Do you all think our top targets will lose interest in committing to Texas? No, uh, that's not going to happen, no. Uh, no. but I can tell you right now, it's not going to help uh, per se either. Uh, people push up timelines, that sort of stuff. Uh, the Longhorns right now uh, doing well in recruiting, but waiting on some key players. I I, I don't think it's going to affect it that way. Uh, I do believe that Oklahoma will now be a bigger factor with some players, though, down the line. We talked about this. It's going to be more about the 2025 season, 2026 guys uh, as well. All right, Lane Seawright had this question for you and uh, for Drew and uh, Rod. How can we prepare better? We're making great adjustments in the second half. But first halves leave a lot to be desired. Quinn was bad in the first quarter, guys. Bad. I'll say two things about that because I do agree. We we have not been bad in the first. We've been slow in the first halves. We have not been this bad in the first half. So I, I do think the turnovers are what were the key for us today. So. Yes, that's something we need to improve, but I think we just this is the wrong day to have our have your worst day in the first half. I mean, that's that's just what it what it came down to. I, I'm gonna say this. I, y'all keep going turnovers, Rod and, and Drew, and I agree with y'all. I think red zone is red just zone's big. Well, that's one of the turnovers was in the red zone. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> it was and that fourth down stop. I mean, that, that turnover on downs with that that was I mean that's that actually the fourth technically, technically, yeah. You're absolutely right, right Bobby. Here's the other piece, too. Um, OU should have scored a touchdown right before the half. Mm -hmm. And Gabriel threw a little bit of his knees. He kind of coughed it. Yeah, the running back's bad throw. One of his only bad throws. Yeah. Yeah, but – You're right. I mean, look, I'm not – I think that the Texas defense left a lot to be desired today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Texas offense in the red zone and turning the ball over. Those, those are the three things I would not – Rod, I called you last night. Yeah, you right? did. After we've done all these 
shows during the week and, and all this stuff. Yeah. I said, what are you thinking? He said, if the Texas secondary can hold up, Texas should win pretty easily. That's what and I said. What? And they did hold up. <laughs> they did hold up. I, I thought they would. I thought they would. But I will admit, we, we kept echoing the entire week. They haven't played a real quarterback, guys. They look great, but this is the first real quarterback they play. And honestly, this is why I wish Jalen Daniels wouldn't have gotten hurt. I, I wish Jalen Daniels would have played uh, versus Kansas. I do, because I think a lot of this would have been exposed last week, and they would have made some adjustments. They wouldn't have went into this game with that false right. confidence about that right. secondary, about them holding up, right? It, it, you know how that goes. You, you expose one game, you're like, all right, this week – Remember, Texas was exposed. Remember that O-line was exposed versus Rice? And what did Sark do? He said, man, we're going to fix that. We're going to fix it. And we all went, damn, man, you're going against Alabama and your offensive line look inconsistent versus Rice? Man, y'all might be in trouble. Nope. They went to work that seat that, that week. They went good on good, one-on-ones, and they fixed the problem, at least for the time being, when they went up against Bama, and it was an issue. So if you, as long as you have the week to work on those issues – Man, you can fix them at least where they're not, you know, they're not going to be that the uh, the Shakespearean flaw that drags your team down and ends up being the reason that you lose a game. The secondary didn't hold up in this game, and I think Sark and PK miscalculated how good that secondary was going to be going up against Dylan Gabriel. Matter of fact, they're not the only ones. I miscalculated too. I kept saying that's my concern, but I thought they would hold up. They did not. Dylan Gabriel showed out. And getting back to, you know, something we talked, something that the chat person just brought about the starts for Texas. You know, I'll say this because, right, this is about the opening script for Sark. And Sark's opening scripts in his first two years were amazing. They were like Quentin Tarantino scripts, man. They were money, Academy Award winning. And the problem was they didn't make the second half adjustments, right? He wasn't winning the chess match within the game. Well, now it's the opposite. Now Texas is top 10 in second half scoring. They're top 10 in fourth quarter scoring in the, in the country. But the opening scripts are not, they're not bangers like they used to be, right? They're not money like they were. What's missing? Honestly, I think it's easier to write a, an Academy Award winning script when you got A-listers you're writing for, right? Like a Danzel Washington or a Tom Hanks. When they got a Bijan or a Rojo, those scripts are easier to write. They're e they write themselves. Script writes themselves. I'm giving it to Bijan and Rojo more than half the damn time. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll throw in my X-Men. I think the scripts are tougher for Sark to write these days, post mm -hmm. Bijan and Rojo. That's my best. That's the only thing I got for you because it doesn't make sense. They were spectacular scripts for the first two years. And now they're subpar. Now they're mid. And now your fourth quarter and your second half scoring are elite. What's going on here? I think Sark has improved as a play caller, which is why the adjustments in the fourth quarter scoring is better. But where I think he's a little he's struggling a bit is like play callers, uh, play callers block a little bit with his script because he doesn't have the inspiration of his muse, Bijan and Roja. I'd, I'd say I feel like our playbook is deeper than it's been in the last two years. And when Sark was thriving with his script, he was doing what it was either something outside the box that people wouldn't expect or it was only what we knew we did well. Whereas right now, I think we have some key plays that we know we can lean on, but our playbook is so deep. I don't know. I mean, we're good at, at a lot of different things. I don't know if we're great at executing any one thing that they know is coming consistently. So we don't run out of plays anymore like we used to. 
But also when we do call them these plays, how well are we executing across the board? How well are we actually, how is it, how well is it actually executing what it's intended to? We need a third and seven. Is that play going to work? A fourth and six, a third and six, like, are these plays going to work? A fourth and one, a third and one, are these plays going to work? I definitely think our bag is deeper, but situationally, um, we haven't found something that we know we can execute on. And I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you earlier this year, like, man, it'd be nice if we weren't getting so cute in the red zone and we just put big, big Murphy in there and just went downhill. Well, we did that. And so it always comes down to gut calls, edges, adjustments, all of those things make sense in this game. And I literally told my wife before I walked upstairs and got on this computer, we were, we were still up. And I was like, you know what? We can win this game or lose this game, but I want to make sure we address some of the issues we're having, regardless of the, the situation. Uh, because whether we want or not, we were still going to have these things to talk about. I, and, I think you guys are hitting on something, Drew. For, could you, If you could summarize this game in some respect, production and lack thereof in the red zone was the difference? Big. That, that, that's it. Yep. That, that's it. And, and that comes down to play calling on both sides of for Pete Kwiatkowski and Steve Sarkeesian, maybe. Right? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. Consider, considering that I feel strongly, I feel strongly that your defense, unless you have an elite group that can beat, it, no matter who lines up, elite quarterback or not, you're going to have games where your defense bails out your offense. You're going to have plays. You're going to have quarters where one is bailing out the other. Right. The offense has to bail out the defense. The defense has to bail out the offense. This was a game where we really needed our offense to bail out the defense, and it did not happen. And it's the first game this season where I feel the defense desperately needed the offense, yeah. and we did not get it when we needed it. And the offense actually put more pressure on the defense and unfortunately, we just didn't execute. We need that that, that connection. Yeah, you play, there there, there was no complimentary football today. That didn't happen. No. Yeah. I, the only time I would say that Quinn's fumble, the defense got off the field real quick, right? Yeah, sunshine. <laughs> she's little baby girl. How you doing? I, 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 <laughs> hey. I need to say wait, say hi. Hey. Uh, guys, uh, thanks to David hey. Bear. Appreciate it. How you doing? I, 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 I have two of those, Rod. Oh, I, got, oh, I need some advice. I need Good some luck. Advice. <laughs> uh, UT boy, God bless family. Uh, UT boy, uh, uh, thanks for joining us hey. last night over at, or yesterday afternoon over at uh, uh, Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Dallas. And also your dad, nice meeting your dad, John, uh, as well. Uh, guys, did y'all think Worthy scored? I didn't I didn't think he scored. No, his butt his butt was down right. It was, it was literally inching, an inch or an inch and a half. I think his butt was down right before the ball crossed the plane. Yeah, it yeah, was if down. He, he would have swung his arm earlier. It would have been a touchdown. Yep. Yeah. Drew, you're you're muted right now, Drew. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I was talking to my daughter. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, no, his his butt was down. He he didn't lean forward. He didn't get that ball across until after he was he was down. But yeah. Oh um, man, man, I sure would have liked some. Um, some, 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 uh, you know, we tried to go hard on the, on the goal line and it didn't, didn't get across. Yeah. I hate it. I got it. 
<laughs> it happens, guys. Uh, David Bayer, uh, during last drive, we seemed to be in a prevent defense. I agree. They only rushed three on the very first play, guys. I feel like that defense has burned us last year on numerous occasions. Can you explain what PK was trying to accomplish? Uh, yeah, you know, he, trying he, to he make college football. Right? Man. He was trying to, I think, what he's trying to do is keep the ball underneath and make the clock run. Because no timeouts, right? No, because no timeouts. No time that being said, um, OU was getting first downs on every every throw. And so the, you got to remember, the clock does stop on a first down yeah. within the last two minutes of a half. Yeah. Um, and so the clock wasn't running as much. And frankly, I, I thought some there were some coverage leaks. Uh, there wasn't enough pass rush. Uh, the first time I felt like he even got pressured, guys, was on the touchdown pass where the, oh, yeah. the clock got crowded, right? Yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. actually – you could call it a pressure, but it was – pocket got crowded. He wasn't there. Was, he wasn't in danger of exactly being sacked there, but um, I'm not sure what – David, we talked about it. We think we, we maybe – They blipped on that play, I believe. They, bl- they, bring a, they bring a defender the outside corner on that side he throws to. If I'm not mistaken, they bring them because who ends up in coverage is Jaron Thompson and yep. Bender. Who's yep. supposed to be in coverage was Bender. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Kabir Hussein's asking about the, the officiating. What we said there is, guys, mm. you know, I don't. I just don't think it was a, a major factor in this game. There may have been a hold on Byron Murphy at, at one point that I think we were concerned with. But uh, really, it's, it's not that. This wasn't it. it. It was lack of production in the red zone, lack of defense in the red zone, uh, and turnovers. Uh, bottom line, and OU came out and played a good football game. That's they it. played hard. They played with a purpose. They had a plan, and they went after it. I have, I have no no problem with that. Um, here, here is a question though, and, and this is a one that's going to stick in my craw a little bit. Dylan Gabriel did play well today, but Gabriel did not lead to all the UT missed tackles, a dropped interception, or penalties. Texas end up with nine penalties. Matt, can you put the stats back up? Our producer, Matt. Nine for 70. 10? Nine. Yeah. Nine for 70. Uh, wow. Texas did miss more tackles than usual, Rod. And, uh, they did. They missed. But by the way, they missed a lot of them on Dylan Gabriel. So, <laughs> yeah. So he did, he did cause some of those missed tackles, David. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I know what you're saying about, you know, Dylan Gabriel didn't cause all these self-inflicted uh, harm, right? The self-inflicted wounds from Texas. They did. They had some some mental mistakes, the penalties. They A lot of these things were uncharacteristic of Texas. Texas is not a team that turns over the football very often, but they had the, the, the three turnovers in the game. They, they don't miss a lot of tackles. They haven't so far early this year, but they missed a lot of tackles in this game. Haven't seen the final numbers, but they're, they're, I think they're easily in double-digit tackles. I, I think I counted four or five on one drive. So they're easily in the double-digit missed tackle category. And the penalties. This is a team that actually had been a very disciplined football team. They were not a very disciplined football team. So you're right about that, David. But, man, there is no question that Dylan Gabriel averaging over seven and a half yards per play anytime he dropped back or ran the football was the biggest, biggest factor in this game. There is no doubt about it. And no Yes, with him running the football 14 times for over 100 yards, his best rushing performance of his career and tying in most rushing attempts of his career. 
breaking tendency in that matter. Texas was not ready for it. They weren't prepared for it. That, to me, was the biggest factor in the game. You can still have the other issues that happen in the game, in my opinion, and still win if Dylan Gabriel has a typical Dylan Gabriel performance. It was anything but a typical Dylan Gabriel performance. This was that dog in him. He came out. Just Dylan, Dylan the dog came out in this Texas OU game, man. Hey, <laughs> yeah. guys, I want to I I say this. Ewok, and I'm sure he's saying Ewers, ain't elite QB. How do you – like, guys – I understand having favorites and stuff, and I know he threw two interceptions uh, in the first half. And a fumble. Finished thirty-one of thirty-seven for three forty-six, and I mean, what do you expect? Hmm. I mean, was he perfect? No, but he clearly led Texas back from a ten-point a ten-point deficit in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, he was. In my opinion, he was the reason you got back in it. Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I hear that. We, we we were we were. I mean, on third down, five for fourteen. Both teams were five for fourteen. Yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody was, was great on third down. We had more yards per play. Uh, we. Uh, this is where it's defense either needs to step up or the offense needs to bail the defense out. I mean that 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 that's what it is. If you can't stop OU offense, you gotta you gotta take it over, buddy. Like I'm tapping you in. You gotta come in and come score and win this game for us because we're not stopping it. Um, that's where the clock management at the end of the game comes into question. That's where all these things come into question. Um, win or loss, they would have still been questions we needed to address. We would have still been talking about the same thing. Unfortunately, got it. Uh, guys, uh, we're getting some other things. Can y'all break down uh, the uh, game of Jalen Ford? He didn't seem like his usual self. Kabir Hussein asked that. One dark glass uh, also said, can we address the lack of effort from Ford? I don't think it was a lack of effort, but he certainly uh, – Rod, you take this one uh, because I, I think that you had a great point for people about how this offense for OU operates mm -hmm. and put to your words – uh, puts the linebacker in conflict with, with their responsibilities. Yeah. Or, I, or Drew, you can do that since you're a former linebacker. Yeah, I, Drew, yeah, Drew, you know, Drew can talk about from a linebacker's point of view. What I would just say is I do think the run adding the, the quarterback run game add as an extra responsibility for a second level defender is hell to deal with. Right. And look at how patient those uh, quarterback design runs were in terms of quarterback draws. I mean, there are times where, you could see Jalen Ford drop into his coverage responsibility or even turn his back, and then that's when Dylan Gabriel would take off for some of those design runs. That's that's putting a defender in constant conflict right there because the nature of the quarterback draws to make it look like a regular passing play. Where now in regular passing plays, you got Jalen Ford looking in the backfield a little bit longer than he should. Right, because he's like, hey man, I gotta make sure this ain't no quarterback draw. That keeps him from his coverage responsibilities. You've got the RPOs that keep him, put him in constant conflict too. I think they did a great job of attacking a spot that nobody thought they would attack against Texas, which is Jalen Ford in the second level defender. That had been a strength against uh, Oklahoma. It was not today. Got and and I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, Jalen Ford is great. And this, people don't say this out loud, but because his D-line is great. His defensive line is a difference maker in every game we played, even last year. When your D-line is effective, when your D-line is getting pressure, when your D-line is taking on blocks and, and, 
and and stopping the run or cleaning up lanes for you to be able to stop the run. Yes, you're running around free, all world, all of it. Today, we saw Jalen Ford doing his job sometimes and being out of the play. I saw Dylan Gabriel was running the ball. Jalen Ford had his back turned because he's chasing his man to go make sure he had his man in coverage while Dylan Gabriel's running down the, right down the middle. At the end of the day, we have leaned so heavily on our defensive line. They have made plays. They have bailed us out throughout this year, both with the depth and the talent. Devontae Sweat played a great game, just as far as disruptive game. Yeah, Our D-line has handicapped some of the things that we don't typically get exposed, that don't typically get exposed. Um, And today our D-line was neutralized. And so you saw Jalen Ford operate without a great D-line dominance. You saw our DBs operate without great pressure up front. But you have to understand, every great team in America has somebody else doing a job great that makes their job easier. The mm-hmm. offensive coach calls a great play, makes it easier for the players. The defensive coach calls a great play, makes it easier for the players. Defensive coach calls a bad play. The players can bail them out. The defensive yep. line plays great. It makes it easier for the DBs and the LB. That's when real. you neutralize the defensive line the way that OU did today, you get to see players play in no man's land. You get to see them play in, in, in environments that just aren't typical for them. Um, they, they're trying to figure out, like, you know, usually on plays when you're used to your D-line disrupting, you're trying to figure out, should I get involved? Should I, should I come off my man and try to come make the play or should I go chase my man down? I do think um, OU having a game plan and just their scheme in general neutralizes our D-line and it does put more pressure on our linebackers, on our DBs when your D-line cannot be this, be this disruptive. And it just it just showed. I mean, hands down, it showed, it showed today. I mean, right, any, 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 can I say this real quick, though, about yeah. the, the, the Oklahoma running attack? Guys, I believe you do the numbers. You take away Dylan Gabriel's rushing numbers. They're averaging like around three yards per carry. Yeah. And if you take, if you take away Jalil, Jalil Farouk's numbers when he was in the backfield, like you brought up, Bobby, hell, those numbers drop even more. You take, you take away Drake Stoops' numbers when he's getting the, 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 the ball in the jet sweep, they drop even more. So what I'm saying is the traditional running game, Oklahoma knew they couldn't do it. They knew. They, that's, what we about, that's what we talked about. That's what we talked about yesterday. I told you, you they're going to try to find ways to manufacture yeah, they they knew Bobby. You say you say, man, they're gonna either they're gonna have the short passing game, be an extension of the run, or they gotta find some non-traditional way. They're not gonna line up against Texas defensive line, and then they're gonna push Texas D line around. It ain't gonna happen because their their run game was not a very formidable one. All throughout, they were averaging less than four yards per carry throughout the season. But they knew going to this game, we gotta find some way to balance our damn passing game, guys, and we gotta do it on the ground. How are we gonna threaten Texas on the ground? Quarterback run game, the most the most quarterback run game that Dylan Gabriel has ever had in his career. They ran uh, Jalil Farouk three times. They ran Drake Stoops once. That's four times right there, guys. They did not have a traditional running game. It was all non-traditional. Brilliant game planning, guys. Why would you bang your head against a brick wall and try to run the ball against a traditional running game against the best rusty that you face? No. Go non-traditional. And Texas wasn't ready for it. Hey, here you go. You guys always like the icy whites. We lose the worst ways and with the orange jerseys. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, I know you guys like those white uniforms. Russell uh, with the super chat, icy thank you whites. so much, uh, Major Alexander. I don't think so. Sark coach like uh, Herman. I don't know. I mean, Sark coach to win. I, the question I have is, 
he did run it on third and nine, uh, but you had to run the ball there to cause OU to, to call a timeout, right? Um, if you don't, and to get into field goal position, because they weren't really in Bert Arbin's they range. They weren't. At that point. That's a good point, Bobby. They were not in field goal range, especially considering Bert Arbin had been struggling. He had a good game, by the way. Shout out to Bert Arbin. He had a good game, man. Good for you. He yeah, bounced back. Comeback. That was a great game. Um, but you're right, Bobby. He, he wanted to make sure he got those, was it seven yards, I think it was, to make sure he got in field goal position there. Now, Bert Arbin actually made the field goal with about four, five yards to spare. He probably could have made a 50-some yarder because Bert Arbin was putting himself. So I'll give him some credit, but I'm with you by that. If he would have went forward and tried to throw the football and, and it had been an incompletion or a sack, could you imagine what we'd be saying about Sark right now instead of trying to get that field goal? So, I mean, these are really tough decisions, guys. I, I usually am, am really critical of Sark. You know, I, I'm the one who came up with the Coach Steven thing. And sometimes he coaches like Sark. Sometimes he's coaching like Steven. And I like Coach Sark. I don't want to see Coach Steven out there. Um, but there were some times, I guess, some people would say Coach Steven um, reared his ugly head. I thought Sark actually did pretty good coaching. He made a few mistakes, one of them late, probably not sealing the game, not having a better feel to seal that game and not give Dylan Gabriel back the football. But I actually thought he responded really well in the first quarter. I thought he answered when Oklahoma had momentum shifts and they were able to gain the momentum in the second half. I like some of the adjustments that I've noticed. I'll go back and watch the film for more. I'm not – he got he got Quinn Ewers back into a groove when Quinn Ewers started off in a disastrous way. That could have went all types of wrong. But he got his quarterback into a rhythm, back into a groove. Listen, I think y'all got to give Brent Venables and his coaches to have some credit. You know I, what I mean? I Getting out coach doesn't always mean you had a you, you were bad, you did a bad coaching job. Sometimes they got just out coaching because they did a hell of a coaching job. And I think Oklahoma did a hell of a coaching job, y'all. Hey, hey, Dax Kelm uh has a sub chat. How big was Quinn's fumble and the fake injury timeout? Oh, you got at end of game before our field goal. Uh brilliant. So, hey, Quinn's Quinn's uh fumble, uh guys. I that ended up not having a real effect on the game, in my opinion, because oh, you went an immediate three and out. If anything, it was the one time in the game where I felt like the defense really bowed its back and said, no, not today. We're not going to get behind by two touchdowns here and, and uh, have a problem. Uh, all right. Hey, uh, uh, from Fresh. Hey, Rod, what do you think with our team being number three coming into this game? Was under a lot of pressure to keep winning, and that pressure got to them today? You don't think it was – I see – hey, yeah, Drew, I mean, you answer this. Drew, answer this because he's shaking his head. Uh, no, pretty pretty heavy there. Go ahead, Drew. You got it. I, I, I don't believe in pressure for teams who still have so much to work on. We haven't played a perfect game this year, and we're rotating a lot of guys. So every guy coming into this game has either been playing well and has been playing well, or they're a guy who's getting rotated and knows their spot is going to get taken. Every guy came into this game knowing they had things to work on. I think there's – I never really worry about pressure as much as I get concerned about complacency. And neither one of those were the issue today. Um, I don't think either one of those were the issue today. Quinn wasn't under pressure today. And that first interception, he made a bad decision. He literally saw it and was like, I shouldn't throw this ball. Yep. He was like, I shouldn't throw this ball. And he threw it anyway. <laughs> that's not pressure. I mean, that's anything. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's confidence. That, that's a lot of different things. But instinctually, that's not a pressure. That wasn't the reason why the game was was, was lost today. Um, 
number three in the country, all that notoriety, all that stuff means something only if it disrupts you from preparing the way that you prepare to play the game. This team prepared well enough to win this game today. They failed to make plays, failed to make a few calls, had some turnovers, failed to execute in the red zone. That prevented them from actually winning the game, but they were prepared to win the game. Five minutes before getting on the live stream today, I didn't know whether we were going to win or lose. So we could have been having a different conversation today. Um, I, I don't think pressure was the difference today. That, that just that that's not how I think it works. And and I do think this team is still dialed in and talented enough to to finish this year without without being concerned about pressure at all. Uh, we, we have a lot of work to do. All right, guys, I, I got to cut time for a couple more questions. I, th- we've been in a, this has been an extended uh, game post game show, and I appreciate Drew and Rod spending extra sure. time here uh, with all of us. Uh, thank you guys very much. Uh, the post game brought to you by Flight, the next generation of light beer from the folks from uh, Yingling and Faust Distributing. We appreciate appreciate them. Here's a question that it seems to be going on in the chat. Okay, it's this whole Sark did this and Sark's problem. Sark betrayed himself and the team playing for the field goal from Marlin. What do y'all think? I mean, I, I, I know what I think, but I'm going to leave it to you guys. You guys played more football than I ever will. Wow. So I, I, I'll, I'll say this, Rod, I'll say it from the perspective of someone who loves Sark. Now, I can be, I, I, yes, I can be critical of Sark, but you've been vocally and more critical of Sark just over the last two years than I can say I have been, but you've had a platform to do so. I'll say this, every game we've had, Sark has even admitted he wants plays back. Sark has Sark is upfront with us about what he thinks the opportunities are, what he thinks his players need to work on, things that they emphasize. There's a lot that Sark is still going to develop, build, and even he's learning himself as a coach. But he's not the reason we lost. Like I said, we came into this game prepared to win this game. Sark is not the reason we lost this game. Um, I know it's tough as fans and it's tough in this game specifically, but we don't like to credit our opponent, but we also, we don't like, I mean, there's players, there's Sark, there's so many different factors that that come into this. So yes, there's some things that I wish Sark could have back. I know Sark would wish to have back. Uh, This was the wrong game for certain things to rear its head. There are certain times there were just 50, 50 things where if Sark would have said, Hey, gotten cute in the red zone. We would have said he went cute. Mm-hmm. If he went heavy, we would have said, "Hey, he went." You know, you know. I, I wish you. I, I'm saying I wish he would have gotten cute. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, th- th- this game is not a make or break for Sark um, in that sense. And if you want any consolation, since you want to talk about coaches, look at let's look at Venables next year when he doesn't have a senior quarterback mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who's experienced in this system. Let, let's. Like it's easy to look at this game and, and say it could have been one way or another or one thing with Sark, but we were a few snaps away from being here celebrating and talking about how great we are. So, yep, um, I agree. It, it comes with it. Yep, I'm not. I'm not. I, I think people put too much on Sark in this game. Don't they negate the the idea of the rivalry too? I mean, goodness mm-hmm. gracious! Just, mm-hmm. I mean, you you they almost won after having three turnovers. I mean. Let, let's be clear. And, and Texas did outcoach OU on special teams. Yeah, they did. You know, I mean, so there's elements here. You just – and uh, they outgained them in yards. I mean, all right, uh, this one's from Russell, and I think this just wants to be uh, – I, I think it may be 
the mm. post that that needs to finish it, right? I've got faith in the coaches mm. and the culture to grow now. But if you have the ball first and goal on the one and can't score, you don't deserve to win. Especially in a Texas OU game. Come on. That's why I keep saying it, guys. They played smarter. They played harder. They had a better game plan initially, better preparation. It's okay to admit you just got beat. <laughs> it's all right. Like, trust me, I, I'm a guy who just got beat a, few, a lot. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just get beat. And then you go back and watch the film and you go, damn, we definitely had a couple of plays here and there. We should have made them, but damn, man, we just got beat. They just got beat. They really did. I mean, Oklahoma, that right there, Russell just probably put it into a great uh, astute observation for you. But, I mean, Oklahoma outplayed you in, in critical moments. Think about that. Red zone, critical moments. They outplayed you. Clutch time, fourth quarter, last two minutes. They outplayed you. It's like I said, it's okay. You learn from it. Sark's going to learn from it too. They'll get better. These are devastating losses, man. It feels like the season's over. They'll rally. And by the way, if this loss beats them again and beats and ends the day, they end up being, end up being a three or four loss team. By the way, they're not the team we thought they were anyway. They That's don't right. have the character we thought they should have had. But I think they do have good football character. So I think they're going to bounce back and rally and they're going to see Oklahoma again in the Big 12 title game. And this will be an 11 10 win team. Like we all predicted. I'm sorry for my man Drew predicted undefeated, but still they'll bounce back. I don't think only only Drew thought they were going undefeated, guys. It wasn't going to happen. It, it, it the, the chances of how many times did it happen, Bobby, in Texas football history? How many times? Uh, four times, I think. Exactly. Come so on, guys. Times. It wasn't going to happen. Well, I, you know, I don't know about before the fifties, uh, but before then, yeah. exactly the right. The, in the modern oh. era, so it's hey. okay. You know, it'd be different if I felt like Texas Texas lost the game. I really feel like more Oklahoma that game, guys. I just they played their butts off, man. They won it with with a minute left, Rod. They drove the length <laughs> of the field and won it. Um, and uh, you can see why Quinn Ewers is. Uh, I mean, thirty-one to thirty-seven, great game. Uh, Long term, third, uh, second quarter on, not a great game the first half. Uh, but Dylan Gabriel. Had it when it had what it took when the game was on the line and and uh, drove them down for a score. All right, uh, that's going to do it uh, for our uh, live stream tonight. Uh, the post game uh, following the uh, Texas loss to Oklahoma, thirty four to thirty. The the Longhorns go down uh, in disappointing fashion, but not it was not a, a, a wipeout. Texas came back from ten points uh, down at one point in time. Uh, we're going to have to see how this season plays out and what the Longhorns can go and do from here. Going to take some uh, pride and some mm -hmm. gut checks uh, to see what they want to be and who they want to be uh, going forward. All right, uh, for Rod Babers and Drew Kelson, uh, thank you all for watching. Again, sponsored by Flight, the next generation of light beer. Guys, we appreciate you all very much, uh, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Uh, rapid reactions early tomorrow morning with Justin Wells. Guys, have a good one. Hook them. Hook them. Every day, all day. <laughs>